The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. You look good. Oh, thank you. You man. did. You 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 look like uh, you you're well rested. Like the the COVID lockdown has done you well. Thank you. You know, I I, I during, during this thing, I, I came up with a program uh, called the Dial It Back a Little Bit program. And it's like AA, except there's only six steps, but you don't get completely sober. So it's going to be very popular, I think. And uh, the first step was, uh, Ron, why don't you quit drinking so fucking much? And what is so fucking much? Like, what, What's the numbers? Uh, you know, it's a half a bottle of tequila a night or something like that, maybe a Jesus. little more. Uh, wound back to a third. <laughs> By the way, these little cigars are the shit. These are really good. Romeo and Julieta, tiny cigars. Yeah, that's the uh, the mini cigarillo. So mm. there's one that's a little bit bigger than that. Uh, that's called a cigarillo, and these are the minis. And I started, like I was saying, I, when I was playing golf, you know, I just whenever it's time for me to hit, I just throw it away and light another one. You know, right. so there's 20 of them for 15 bucks. So, you know, as opposed to a $15 cigar, which is what I usually smoke, something like that. And uh, But it's good tobacco. Yeah, it's really tell. good. It's, it's the like same thing. Cigar. It's in their big old premium cigars, just rolled by, rolled by the junior rollers. That's how they learn. Yeah. And you look like you're smoking a blunt. But we're clearly not. Clearly. And uh, in Austin, what were you saying about the rules? It's like a what you, you could have as much as a quarter of a pound before they arrest you? Uh, yeah, Something a quarter of like a pound. That. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and that, and if you just say it's a CBD, CDB, whatever, nugs, then uh, they would have to test it, and they don't want to test it. they got other things to do. So They have CBD stores out here, folks. It's, it's very strange. They have stores that sell CBD joints, but marijuana is illegal. Right. So I don't know. You know, my, my son is in that business and uh, it, it, it is confusing. The, the, uh, and I think that's what helps, you know, yeah. is uh, the, they got dizzy trying to figure it out. But I was going through LAX on the way out here a week early. And uh, because we set this up for uh, we, we were talking on Friday and you said next Tuesday, the 8th. Well, I don't even know what month it is, much less what day of the <laughs> month it is. And so I just thought it's the next Tuesday coming up, which was only three days away. And I was a little mad at you. And I was like going, wow, it seems like you'd have given me more than three days notice. And I got to find a way to get to L.A. And I'm looking at flights. There's nothing good. I'm thinking about bringing my plane down, uh, which it turns out has a problem. So we couldn't bring it down. And and then uh, I get down here and he's like, the eighth is... Uh, a week from today, and I was like, God, I'm so stupid, man. We made it work. Yeah, we made it work. So they just plugged in the stuff a few few days early, and here I am. So you're not from here, but you've been here for how long now? Like two years? How long have you been? I've, you know, I started coming to Austin when I was 15 years old. Uh, my, my buddy, uh, his brother, taught economics at UT and had a house on 4th Street, which at that time was just little bitty low-end cracker box houses but that mostly teachers lived in and he would let us stay in his yard. And, uh, so we would tell my parents that we were going camping at Lake Sutherland and my buddy, Ricky Bellows, when he turned 16 had the littlest new Honda, but he had one that was wrecked and he rebuilt it. And we put all our camping gear in it and come straight to Austin. And, uh, 
set up in my uh, brother, uh, my buddy uh, Mickey McMillan, his brother Scott McMillan. We'd set up in his yard, his backyard, and then we'd walk two blocks to 6th Street. And it was probably 71 or 72, and Austin was tripping balls. I mean, it was people on unicycles in clown suits, juggling backwards, music pumping out of every window. Stevie Ray Vaughan coming out of this with Stevie Ray Vaughan on one end of the guitar. And Stevie we're Ray Vaughan playing live. Live, right, just out the window. Now, we didn't have any money, and we couldn't get in any club, so we, had, we were completely broke. And but we were standing there listening to this music, watching this scene of Sixth Street in '71. I guess it was about '71 or two when when I've been 15, '71. And uh, and even then, there were people going, "It's over." You should have seen it in '67. I'm like, <laughs> still, still. Still looks pretty good to me, man. Isn't that uh, just what people always do, though? Oh yeah, that, you oh, missed it, man. Just the other day. Somebody was like, oh, yeah, it's just not what it used to be. And I'm like, when did you get here? Like, Thursday. I'm like, fuck, dude, really? It's taken a dive since Thursday? All these fucking Californians moving in. Yeah, they really hate that shit. Yeah, I talked to uh, this guy's doing uh, IT work. He's like, we're being invaded. Right. Bro, relax. Well, you know, it's a... It, I get it. it. It's a great state, and and uh, but it's... Uh, it's just a liberal stronghold in the middle of a very Republican state. And, you know, I was born and raised here. And, then, you know, if people ask me if I'm a Texan, I tell them I'm a Texan. You know, this is where I'm from. And and uh, the state is uh, slowly changing and, and becoming more palatable for everybody. And uh, But there's still a pretty hard right-wing, you know, faction that runs it all out of uh, – out of Dallas where all the money is in Houston and well that's what keeps it from going haywire right right that's what keeps it from going straight Portland right yeah that's that's it (laughs) you fucking need that man there those people are ridiculous you need that you need you need law and order you do I don't give I don't give a fuck what anybody says yeah that's uh remember my old joke was uh, if you come to Texas and kill somebody we will kill you back (laughs) and uh Go somewhere else and kill people. You'll be better off. You know, yeah. go to California. You know, it's just I just feel like you know people want to throw away everything that's there. They just want to break it all down and deconstruct society, but they don't really. I mean, their their plan once they do that, like you saw what happened with uh, that six block chunk of Seattle that they took over. Of course, Chaz. Yeah, it deteriorated almost instantly and became a, a terribly run country. Right. They had borders. They had people beating people up for filming things. I mean, they had murders. They, they were had, thinking about walls. Yes, they took yeah. over, too. Not only yeah. that, they appropriated all the buildings. They didn't build those buildings. They just took it over. But the problem with that kind of thinking is, even if you think you're right, you, what you're doing, now someone can do that to you. Because you've already shown that it can be done. Right. You've already shown that you could just, no by doubt. force, you can light the fucking mayor of Portland's apartment building on fire and stand out and chant. Well, they could do that to your house, too. Right. you got to understand, like, what you're doing is not nice. It's not civilized. It's not polite. This is a civilized society. It sure is. And if you decide that you're going to do things that are not civilized and you're going to justify it, people can do things that are not civilized to you. Like, the founding fathers, as crazy as it is in the 1700s, figured this shit out in advance. They had a whole series of checks and balances to keep things from going sideways. They really had some good ideas. 
it's really amazing when you stop and think about their great insight into human nature and how it could apply and, and where it might go. Right? They were right. They were right. Yeah. Now, you know, when we were having protests and in uh, vandalism and whatever in Beverly Hills, and they were saying that uh, the next. Uh, you know, they're coming to tear your part, town apart. Yeah. You know, I really didn't think they would, but I still had a, a retired Navy SEAL standing in front of my house uh, with a gun, and uh, his message was, why don't you go fuck up the house next door to Ron and, uh, <laughs> and leave Ron's place alone. Well, it's just these young people with these idealistic ideas about people that are successful that somehow or another you've stolen it from other people and that you need to give it back to everyone else and we need to have a communist society. And it's like, how? Right. where's the money coming from? Where? Who's going to work? What are you going to do? Have you thought this through? Right. You know, I had always chosen the path of least resistance in my life, and it just ended up here. You know, in Joe mm. Rogan's studio at 63 <laughs> years old. This is the path of least resistance. This is where I ended up. It is, but it isn't. You know, you say that, but you you were a grinder. You were out there on the road doing the hard gigs. That's not least, least resistance. No, it was. Yeah. You know, it was so much fun, I couldn't stand it. You know, I, I would tap my foot when I was at home. I wanted to get back out to the path of least resistance, you know, because, you know, me, I love stand up comedy and I love being on stage like you do. And uh, and uh, and touring never bothered me. You know, it got softer and softer. It started out. It was 800 miles in a in a Nissan truck with a bench vinyl seat that would bend you over the steering wheel after 50 miles. And you had 800 miles to go to Atlanta to do shows and I didn't care you know I felt like I found it yeah and uh and I didn't even know what it was till I found it and the first time I was on stage I was like oh I'm a comedian that's what I am if you just look at most of society at least I did when I looked at most of society most of what people were doing was so unappealing to me it just didn't resonate with my mind and the way I grew up it just didn't work but as soon as I started doing comedy and going on the road I was like oh my god I found this thing. Yeah. I found a thing that just works. It just fits into my DNA. It just it just makes sense. That's the same with me. And I never, ever thought that my career would get as big as it did, ever. And, we were talking and, about divorce outside. outside. Oh, yeah. oh, you were talking yeah, about I, how you've been fucked over. <laughs> and I said, if I could just go back in time when you were broke, and I said, Ron, in the year 2020, you will have been fucked out of millions of dollars in divorce. Yeah, and you would be like, "Well, fuck, man! How much, how much did I make? How'd I, how'd I get all that money? Where'd it come from? Do I have any left after this? How am I doing?" Yeah. So yeah, and it was it was two women and uh, and all together with lawyers and all in for ten probably ten million bucks and Woo. ouch and uh, after tax money you know that, Woo. Uh, yeah. so that's and, twenty million uh, in real world dollars it's uh, something like that. And, <sighs> uh, well, Amazing. you know, if you're if you're making dollars at the box office, you know, you're you're really only putting about 28 cents out of every dollar in a bank account that you could spend and you, know, you got a big chunk going to taxes and managers and agents and travel and all that stuff. And so, you're trying to have fun and trying to have a good time. Hey, you're not squirreling money away for divorce. <laughs> well, it turns out it was. <laughs> I thought it was retirement, but uh now it turns out, you know, I, I really I really believe that I'm retired. I believe I'm done. Really? Mm -hmm. You done with stand-up? I think so. Listen, man, we're going to open up a club here in Austin. Oh, I'll I'm do gonna, that. I'm going to drag you in. Yeah. You're going to crush. 
You're going to get that the feeling down to your toes, that tingle. Woo! I haven't even thought about a set in, in a half a year. You know, they they tapped on my bus in uh, the parking lot of a venue uh, in uh, Springfield, uh, Illinois. And uh, the parking lot was half full. You know, I'd flown out from L.A., got on my tour bus in, uh, in uh, St. Louis. My crew's with me. The crowd's showing up. They knock on the door and said it's over. Wow. Uh, the government just, uh, the governor just pulled the plug on this date and then they plugged it on the next date. And I'm like, fuck, there's not going to be any shows till May, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, was I wrong. It's right now we're in September. Yes, it is September. And there's no shows in sight. Well, you can go some places. Uh, Houston's doing shows. San Antonio's doing shows. Right. Nashville's doing shows. Kansas City's doing shows. A lot of places are like, fuck it, let's roll. Let's just do it. Yeah, but you know, the you know, Zany's in Nashville. Uh, Hugh Lee fucking collapsed on stage there and he yeah. had COVID and yeah. the, the guy that ran the club uh, got COVID from him. And, he got it from Hugh Lee? Yeah, from Hugh yeah. Well, he got it, so we're yeah. assuming it's from Hugh Maybe he gave it to him. <laughs> well, it could have gone the other way, yeah. except for. Hughley collapsed, and then he came up positive three days later. Who, whoever Hughley's road manager is, props to that guy, because he saw it coming and caught him. Yeah, right. So I mean, yeah, that guy's the floor, on right? the fucking, because if he hits the fall, floor, man, he's got brain damage, right? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. fall from that, if you fall from a sitting position. And, and, you, and that's a kind of a high stage, yeah, too. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been there, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my manager would find out about it on the internet the next day. He wouldn't, <laughs> not only would he not catch me, he wouldn't even know where I was, you know. But it was a weird one, right? Did you watch the video? Uh, Dude, of him? DL, uh, like, his words got all jumbled together. Like, it did, they didn't make sense. Yeah, no, I didn't see it. I didn't and even then know there was one. It was, it was very strange. Like, and the crowd was like, what? What the fuck did he just say? Oh, is that it? What are you doing, Jamie? Oh, we 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 got a lot of fucking technical glitches. We're working out the gremlins here right, at the fun. new studio. Jamie's trying to show it for us. He'll show it to us. We'll get it. We'll figure it out. But it was a weird moment where he uh, he just paused and then and just started to collapse, and his manager caught him right in time, and then he just dragged him off the stage. Oh, well, I'd like to see the footage of that. Yeah, we would uh, we would you know I play golf when I'm there at the same course. Here it is. Let's see if we can hear it. I can't. I got oh. what I was working on. Sorry. See, he catches him. Look at this. Right oh, there. Oh, it still bounced his head, though. It wasn't a great catch. No, it wasn't the best catch. I like that little gray goatee thing going on. I like that. Yeah, if I, I like it so much, I grew one. <laughs> I played golf with him, uh, uh, him and uh, Cedric and uh, George Lopez uh, a few months ago. That must have been a fun outing. Yeah, I, I was staying at this uh, Bacar resort up in uh, Santa Barbara, and I just looked across the bar, and it was Hughley and Cedric sitting there, and I'm like, who is that? I recognize these guys. And uh, and I went over and started. I just heard them order tequila, and I was like, oh, this is Kindred Spirits over here. I'm going to upgrade their order because they sold my tequila at that place. And uh, so I sent them over some tequila, and I'm like, and, and they threw a fit over me. You're Ron White, Ron White, and I, I'd worked with Cedric. He he middled for me on the road, and I knew he was going to be a star then. I was like, "They're stopping this guy." You know, he's got so much talent and energy, and uh, so it turns out Lopez was coming up to play golf with him the next day, and you know? so we we hooked up, made it a foursome, killed a bottle of uh, of uh, number one extra Añejo on the course. We uh, passed it around on the 18th to polish it off, and. Oof. 
and uh, what a what a hoot, you know, what a glorious day that was. You know, just laughter and fun. And I'm sure golf is awesome. It's just it, that's a lot of time. That's a time. You don't consuming. have time for it, buddy. I don't have time. You for You ain't it. got time for it. You, no. I don't know how you do what you do. Three shows a day, or two, three of these a day, and then I, I don't the last do three a day you, anymore. Well, you, the last time I did your show, I was the third one that day, and and uh, you were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go do my abs," and then I got five sets tonight. I'm like, "Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'm gonna go to bed." I was drunk, stoned. I'm like, "You're gonna do what?" Yeah, yeah, do yeah I gotta do my abs, and uh, I'm gonna head on over. Yeah, last podcast we did, we got a little lit. Yeah, we got crazy. Yeah, early. So I'm. It's your fucking tequila. You come bringing your own tequila. What's a man supposed to do? Right, you got to drink it. You got to drink it. So you were saying you're just in the, in the tequila business now. You're basically not even in the comedy business anymore. You know, I actually told somebody in a conversation that that I used to be a comedian. I say, so they said, "What do you do?" I said, "I used to be a comic," and, and then I kind of caught myself. I'm like, "Well, because I believe if you want to be a comedian, all you have to do is go be a comedian. But you have to do that, right? You have to go do it. You have to yeah. go do shows and all those things, and that I just don't do anymore." When you call someone a comic, like how how long do they have to done it you know before i recognize it yeah. uh a while you know what's a while you know i, I think year? you start that i'd say five five years yeah before you start to even start to understand the relationship between you and all those people out mm-hmm. there uh it's a it's a long process i think i caught it on i i caught on to doing stand up really quickly so when i had four minutes I could kill for four minutes and then I could kill for five minutes. So I always kind of understood how to generate the power, you know, even from pretty early on. Uh, but I still only had five minutes. Uh, I think the worst thing that can happen to a young comic now is they come out and win some contest and all of a sudden they're headlining, but they, you know, they won with 10 minutes of material. And then what do you do? That's a, that's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. It's horrible. Charlie Murphy was famous and then he started doing stand up. So he was doing stand-up as a famous person, famous for being funny on the Chappelle show. Right. That took balls. Yeah, it did. And I, I was around Charlie during those days, and it was crazy. I mean, he just was learning stand-up in front of sold-out crowds. Yeah, that's Woo. scary. Woo. But I never thought any of this, even though I was standing right next to Foxworthy when he exploded uh, into one of the biggest comics that ever lived, uh, I never thought it would happen to me. You know, I just didn't. Uh, and I was okay with it. You know, I liked being a club headliner, and I was I was still making, you know, as much money as my friends or more as a club headliner. And, and I wasn't paying my taxes, which made it seem like I made even more money, right? <laughs> so I'm picking up tabs and shit, right? And, uh, but I never saw big, you know, big, big success uh, ever coming my way. And it just did. I think the most... The most fun you have is when you're just making enough money to not worry about money. Everything else gets it gets complicated. Yeah. Things get complicated when they can take ten million from you in a divorce. Yeah, right. That is. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. I remember when uh after Blue Collar came out and all of a sudden when the D V D came out, all of a sudden I could sell out any venue in the country in two minutes. Uh, literally and the money was coming in and i was so joyous because i didn't see what else was coming behind it right i just saw all of a sudden i'm making money hand over fist over hand over fist and i'd wake up in the morning glad to be me you know i would wake up going yeah 
this is great. I could go online and look, I'm a millionaire. Look at this, I'm a millionaire. This is the most fantastic thing ever. But I didn't see uh, what was coming, you know, just as far as all the, you know, I'm basically an idiot and, and, uh, or I'm a fool in his money. And, uh, you don't want to walk away from that without a big pile of it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it and I'm kind of getting to a place in my life where now I'm like, all right, I'm okay. I'm okay. I still, I've still got it. I mean, I still have the finances to retire comfortably. And I mean, not, I actually, I was, my girlfriend lives on a main channel over on Oxnard to Marina, and uh, we were talking about getting a boat. So I called my friend, uh, who's an offshore boat racer and a billionaire, and and uh, I said, I just want, you know, he knows a lot about boats. He'd give, you know, maybe give us some direction on what kind of boat would be great. And, and so he started asking me right away on the phone call. And I said, he said, uh, How's the career going, man? What's going on in your life? I said, it's over, man. I, I don't have any dates. I have nothing on the books. I don't know when it's coming back. And uh, I, I talked to my financial people and said, let's figure that I'm never going to make another dime. What can I keep? What can I, what do I sell? And, and, I, and I said, I got to get rid of the plane and the, probably the bus. And he goes, well, at least you don't have a boat. And I was like, well, that was the next, <laughs> that was my next question, man. I was going to sell the boat to get a bus. <laughs> I sold the bus to get a boat. Do you, but if everything comes back, like if, if they develop a vaccine, if we reach herd immunity, if people start touring again, you'll be out there. Come on, man. I don't know. Come on, man. I don't know what's left, Come Joe. Come on, man. I'll bring you out there. You just, right. I'll just bring you out for a guest set. Right. Bring you out for a little guest set. Give you a little taste. You know, you I feel the roar of the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ron White. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> I, you know, I, I could tell because I always worked really hard, right? And, uh, or I've not worked really hard, but I always did a lot of shows, yeah. right? Uh, toured all the time. And, and if I took 10 days off, I could feel it in my big set. Yeah. You know, just that information's not floating as close to the top as I'd like for it to be. And, and then by the next set, it was a little better. And by the third set, I'm fine. And I haven't done a set, thought about a set, looked at a set list, watched a tape in a half a year. And I don't know what I'm, I don't know how long it would even take to get it back. Or if it, or if I could just walk back into it. I You'd don't walk know. right back into it. I did uh, Houston Improv, I guess about a month and a half, two months ago now. And um, I uh, listened to a bunch of sets and uh, I did the whole weekend. And the, the fir I listened to like three or four recordings, made notes. Wrote down all my stuff. I forgot a couple of things. Forgot the way the order or a few taglines. But I walked out just having a great time. I had a great time. First show was a little odd. Like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing stand-up again. By the second show, it was a show. By the third show, I was back. Okay. But it was just because I listened to all the recordings. I, I took a lot of time. What's, I, I really what, went what, over it. What venue? What size venue were you? It's a small place, the Improv. Like, okay. You know, okay. I mean, I think it seats 500. And I think they, they were at 75% capacity. Yeah, right. No, not really. Yeah. Why are there no empty chairs? <laughs> it's pretty packed. Oh, we took the chairs we didn't need outside. But it was a good time. It was it was fun. But then I started thinking, man, what if I got it and then gave it to somebody? Right. That's my worry. I give it to some person that has a compromised immune system. Right. Well, that's what, you know, I was telling you that uh, my girlfriend and I, I was going to move a, uh, this, I bought a new car for out in L.A. and I wanted to move the car that was out there out here so we decided to just drive it so we stopped in vegas and uh stayed at the bellagio when it 
and I've always worked at the Mirage, and I found out that outside the Mirage, I'm nobody, <laughs> even with the MGM Grand folks. And so it was kind of just, you know, a week before we got there, people were going, hey, who's got the keys to this thing, man? How do you turn those lights on? Oh, right. We yeah. fired those people. Oh, we got to get them back because we don't know how to do this. Yeah, so, those casinos had basically shut down for months at a time. Yeah, and they furloughed were, everybody. And those are monster, complicated yeah. fucking properties. Yeah. And uh, then we went to uh, we had, we did some gambling. We ate some decent food and no shows or anything. And we were there for three days and it was great. Played golf and and uh, but we just stayed to ourselves and we won some money playing blackjack and went uh, spent it immediately on caviar and champagne and. Uh, I'm like, look what we won. <laughs> this is great. And we went to Sedona. Uh, and uh, Sedona, as you've been to Sedona, Arizona, mm-hmm. it's like... Hippie land. Yeah. It's, it's all crystals. But it's Faith healers. Just beautiful. It is beautiful. Oh, it's like stunning. I mean, in every direction you look. It's Why does it attract just... so many flaky people, though? They say it's because of some kind of a vibe <laughs> that it has, energy mm. or whatever. Yeah. And... Uh, we were staying in this, you know, it's kind of a five-star resort, and it was down on this river with these little cabins and this beautiful river, Wolf, whatever, Oak Creek or whatever it is, and it cuts through these huge canyons. And and uh, you could take these Adirondack chairs and put them in the river and just sit in this beautiful, clear-running river with, and just sit out there and relax and let the world go by and breathe, and it was really, really nice. And uh, I told Jeannie, I said, you know what we could do? Because we had our we were made kind of last minute reservations, so we had the littlest cabin furthest from the river. But there was a little house right on the river. I don't know what they charged for it, but it was cool as shit. And I said, you know what we could do? We would pool our money and just rent this place, and we'll just live here Forever. until we're broke, until it's all or there's all, the money's gone. We've run up a tab. We can't pay it. We just I'll tell them there's money coming. We've already spent millions here. And uh, then when the cops are wading into the river to drag us out and throw us off the property, we'll shoot ourselves and just float dead. And she was like, what? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, not, saying, I'm not saying we have to. I'm just saying. And then I kind of, okay, a syringe of heroin and just whatever, you know. That, uh, she nixed it. Yeah. yeah she, Ch- chicks she don't like those romantic yeah. ideas. Yeah. So then we went to Santa Fe, then Austin, and then I had my tour bus pick us up in Austin and took us to up to uh, Nashville, and then to see my mother in uh, in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And uh, so we had COVID tests before we got to mother's house to, to you know, make sure, even though we'd been being very, very safe, that, uh, you know, I couldn't bear the thought of, of yeah. uh, offing my mom. And uh, Yeah, that's the big fear, man. <clears throat> that's the big fear. The big fear is giving it to somebody who can't handle it, right? Right. It's um, it's a weird one, man. I mean, the, this uh, society has changed in such a radical way over the last six months. It's almost like if you, well, I know someone who actually did get hit by a car right, right before George Floyd died, and had brain damage, and came out of a coma, like while the riots were going on, like literally didn't know what was going on, and has brain damage, and is trying to put it all together. Like, did you ever see that movie Twenty Eight Days Later? No awesome zombie movie but the guy wakes up in the middle of a coma from a coma and the world's changed he woke up and there a virus had swept through the land some uh, a virus that they created for chimpanzees called rage and it escaped from a lab 
and started infecting people and turned them into these wild zombie creatures. Right. But, you know, it's almost like that. Like this person that I know woke up from this, from getting hit by a car, f- flown through the air, landed on their head, got all fucked up, in a coma for 10 days, hospitalized, and then coming out of it, watching the news, going, what the fuck is happening? Right. Cops' cars on fire, streets are burning. People wearing masks. And, Everyone's wearing a mask. And yeah. uh, and not wearing masks. You know, I, I, I was, I'm so protective of my mom, but she wants to get out. She wants to go to the grocery store. She wants to go, you know, but she's just been locked up, so she... She 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 also cooks for me, you know. She my mother loves to cook for me, and and uh, it was almost like uh, Breaking Bad when they chain that guy to the meth lab. That's what my mother looked like in the kitchen, you know, just <laughs> making fried chicken and fried shrimp and gumbo and all the things mm-hmm. I love. And but we went to the store, and you know, she likes to, you know, she doesn't walk that stable, but so she likes to walk with a, you know, with a cart. And so we went, and there were people not wearing masks, <laughs> and I just wanted to fucking cuss them out you know and uh you know so the, the that so they get to walk around with no mask i got to keep my mother in a storage facility you know so she doesn't catch this disease and so i'd, I'd like for everybody to catch on with the mask thing you know and just let's let's get through this yeah i think most people have caught on with it now don't you think most people are wearing masks it's pretty rare that people aren't wearing masks especially it's- around it's, old folks. it's become, I, I think, a little bit better, and and we're you know we're getting some better numbers right now, so that's good. You know, that's uh, I, I, I hope. You taking your vitamin D? No. Okay, well, you got to take vitamin D. It's very important. There was a, an article that was just published recently that I put on my Twitter page. Um, I that don't, I don't read your Twitter page. You, you, but, you don't have to, but I'll, I'll send you the things directly okay. that are important. All right. But uh, this was uh, talking about vitamin C and people that uh, get covid and wind up in the icu and vitamin vitamin d rather vitamin d seems to be the the biggest factor that people um one of the things uh, dr Rhonda patrick talked about on the podcast too is that more than 80 percent of the people in the icu are deficient in vitamin d and only four percent had sufficient levels of vitamin d the vitamin d has a significant impact on your immune system and most people don't get it you probably get a good amount because you're out in the sun golfing a lot but probably not quite enough. Right. And you should almost always supplement. Yeah, I might, you know, my doctor said something. I just had all of my tests done the other day, and, and uh, he said that you need to boost your uh, vitamin D. That's what he said. Yeah, and everybody that, does. Uh, yeah, right. Humans so. aren't supposed to live in this little fucking red spaceship. We're supposed to be outside in the world. Yeah. I mean, this is how we evolved. We right. evolved to be outside all the time. We didn't evolve to be indoor creatures. So our bodies are designed to absorb vitamin D from the sun. I mean, that's that's how we create vitamin D in our body. Right, and I think you're right. I do I, I do spend an awful lot of time outside. So that, but I'm you know I need to get on a program. That's for sure. You know, are you willing? I'll put you on a program. I'm willing. I'm willing I'll to be on, on a program. Vitamins. Yeah. Now, do you take a ton of vitamins? I take a lot of shit. Even though, you're, <clears throat> and, you, and you believe it's all good. Oh hell say, yeah! I feel great. You have more energy than anybody I know. <laughs> do you sleep at all? I do. That's yeah. one of the reasons why I have energy. I oh. sleep a lot. A, a little amount of sleep for me is six hours. That's a little amount. Like that's like a oh, I got to catch up. A good night, I'm sleeping eight, maybe even nine. Yeah, I sleep. I but, sleep good. 
it's important. Yeah, it's everything, man. It's everything. That's what you know. That's uh, that's what I want from you. You know, I, I'd love to have Joe Rogan energy instead of Ron White energy, which is uh, oh, man, let's take a nap. <laughs> that's, that's the tequila, son. Oh no, that's uh, that's salvation. That's uh, <laughs> pour some uh, of that salvation. All right, all right. Crack it open. I was gonna <coughs> I, I was gonna make this deal that uh, that for sure I didn't drink for the first hour. I think we're about forty but, minutes. Okay, okay, that's close. Good enough. Close. Yeah, close. Close enough. Thirty minutes. Because uh, when 28? I twenty-eight. <laughs> you made yourself a deal. That's hilarious. Yeah. See, if you drink this every day, you're not going to have a lot of energy, but you will have an interesting energy while you're drinking it. You know, it's a, it's a the trade thing off. is it's a it's a stimulant, and I know I've told you that before. Instead of a depressant, cheers, Joe Rogan. Cheers, my brother. Congratulations to both of us. Thank you. For everything. For everything. Woo! <laughs> mm. <clears throat> God damn, Ron White. Well, you got to actually. <clears throat> you I, smell I, it? I, yeah. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm stocking your bar at your house, so I brought a box okay. of tequila. Beautiful. So, uh, I have some good ideas with this stuff. This stuff will bring me to some strange places. It will. For I, sure. I was also going to bring some shrooms, but I decided Whoa. not to. Are you uh, still microdosing? You know, it... Did it stop working? No, it didn't stop working. I, the the guy I was getting it from went to prison. and uh, so For mushrooms? <laughs> I don't know. What are the odds? Yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah, it, I think that's exactly what happened. Who the fuck is putting someone in jail for mushrooms? That guy should go to jail. Yeah, it's, you know, he was a door guy in a club, and uh, but he was really doing it because... You know, he knew a lot of vets that had, you know, PTSD and, and they and people were feeling like hallucinogens were, you know, making a connection for some yeah. of these guys and particularly uh, microdosing. Yeah, microdosing. That's what and that's what I was doing unless there was a concert to go to and then I was maxo dosing. Well, I uh, ran into you at the green room at the comedy store and you you're like, I found this thing that's fucking amazing. I'm just microdosing. Yeah, I, I guess I'm on medication. Puts a little sparkle in your yeah. in your day, and and uh, so I, you know, and I still you do described it, it as wonderful. Wonderful. I go, how are you feeling? You're like, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Take the drugs and go to the concert. You know, have fun. You know, just get my lazy ass. But the off microdosing, the it's it's like it's just enough to feel it, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like you just just enough to feel it. You just just enough to take the edge off of life. Yeah. Just, but you're very there. Very coherent. Yeah, even yeah. more, probably. Yeah, well, they say you see things better. There was uh, studies done on visual acuity. One of these uh, uh, psychedelic researchers, they did these things with people. Well, they gave them low doses of psilocybin, and they, they were able to detect uh, movement quicker than people without right. it. Like, So they have two lines, two parallel lines, and when one of the lines would diverge off of parallel, the people on mushrooms could recognize it much quicker than the people not on mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. At one of my earliest mushroom experiences uh maybe the first uh we had we had heard about it of course i was in houston so mushrooms were at the end of every street because it's all developed ranch land the further out you go mm. so at the end of it there's there a pasture and that's yeah. full of mushrooms right i had no idea it had they had value anywhere because they were just so readily available and when we <laughs> i boiled some up and uh uh, me and Joe Payne, and uh, and we drank them, but we didn't know how long it took to, for it to hit. And then Joe had to leave, and I'm sitting there, and my dad comes home. I was standing with him, and uh, and I feel these mushrooms coming on a little bit. And then uh, there was this horrible wreck in Houston where this 
big truck with some kind of gas flipped on one of those big overpasses and they had cameras out there and i started laughing so hard it was the funniest thing i ever seen and uh and i couldn't stop myself from laughing at it and it wasn't funny at all and it but it just the laughter was in my, in my dad i remember him just looking at me going what's wrong with him and uh so i left and i was driving my car and i noticed that i could see an eye of a bird that was 50 yards away while i was running into the back of another car so i'm i can't really <laughs> i can't really uh verify that everything but the bird's eye i was looking at and then all of a sudden ka-tonk and it, not very hard but it was definitely a wreck yeah it makes you see things it makes you hear things it makes you you hear yeah speaking of here Hmm. Comes and goes. We got some gremlins. Like spaceship I said, noises in your spaceship uh, looking place here. Yeah, we're working this place out. I'm trying to figure it out. I like it though. I, I, I think it's, it, you know, whenever you're in a new spot, you got to get accustomed to it. It still feels weird. Like we did one with Adam Curry. It just it felt weird. It just feels weird to be here. Yeah, I'm feels, already used to it. Yeah, I'm used to, I'm used to Austin. Tell you that. I got used to it quick. I'm settled in. I love it. like it a lot. I love the less people. I love how friendly everybody is. There's a lot, a lot of good things about this place. I love the barbecue. I had diarrhea for four days in a row. I couldn't stop. Really? I was eating this fucking barbecue. I had like a, a piece of lettuce in four days. It was all ribs. <laughs> ribs and sauce. Like, Jesus. Where are they coming from? Where You got a go-to place? or you... Oh, man. I was going everywhere. Um, I, I found this hole in the wall, um, uh, a bee cave barbecue. Holy shit. It's like a trailer, like this little trailer that you pull up to fucking phenomenal. You know, they're all born phenomenal. out of this, Phenomenal. this, uh, you know, these are all sorts, you know, early, uh, German settlements through, uh, new Braunfels and they just understood smoke houses. And that's, is that where, what it is? that's where it all came from. Wow. It all came from Germany. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I know there's a lot of German folks that live in Fredericksburg, right? Like out there. There's oh, and uh, wineries New and Braunfels shit. and what's south of New Braunfels. Uh, uh, where, where's your aunt live? And oh, they live in New Braunfels. Uh, what's, but anyway, that's where that, that was all German settlements. And mm. We used to go camping. We'd go tube the Guadalupe River, which is a fun, fun thing to do. And we stayed at a campground called the Lazy L&L. And it that which used to be a farm for this German family, and the guy that owned it figured out he could turn it into a campground and make easy easier money. So he did. And he was about ninety years old, and he smelled horrible, <laughs> just really stunk. Always, always wearing the same clothes. Oh, and, uh, those guys! Just yeah. No more pussy. Fuck it. Fuck yeah, showers. Right. Fuck showers. What would I take a shower for? And. But he, he, he told me he wanted to show me something. So their old barns were there and stuff, and he took me over and he showed me a, a plow that had a seed on it. And he said that when he saw that, he, he said that he thought everything that could be invented had been invented. <laughs> now you're sitting on a plow? Are you fucking kidding me? Living the good life. Living the goddamn, the horse is dragging you and the plow. You're all and, good. And uh, you're not doing anything. Your boots aren't getting muddy. No, you're, no, good. you're above it. You're, you're good. You're above it, grinding you're through that, life. Living that silver star life. Yeah, that's a, um, it's a weird thing that the immigrants came out here learning how to smoke meat, like German smoked meat and smoked sausages, and they somehow or another morphed that into barbecue. 
It was everybody that worked for that one of those people. They went and started their own place because mm. they learned how to do it, and mm. it just kind of spread from that. And uh, you can't have bad barbecue here. You will not survive. No, 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 no. You will not survive. No. I found that out. No, you cannot good. make any money selling <laughs> shitty barbecue in the Texas Hill Country. It's you cannot. No, it's not happening. No, yeah, everything's good. Yeah, the, the the real worry, like I was saying, is uh, that people like me will come here and fuck it up. How could you fuck it I'm up? I'm not going to fuck it up. I'm going to find nice Texas people and say, tell me how to vote. I'll, I'll vote your way. I want, I want to keep your thing going. Yeah. Whatever you did to get this, like I want to keep this going. It had nothing to do with politics. No. <laughs> it, didn't, well, it didn't. But politics could fuck it up, though. Not the barbecue. No, not the barbecue. <laughs> but they could fuck up some of the aspects of this place. Like yeah. The freedom parts. Right. Yeah. The thing, the thing about having a place like this is you got to kind of let people do... Like, one of the things that I love about Texas is the fact that it's so wild. That you could do a lot of shit here. You could do crazy... Like, I looked at a ranch. And I said, what if I wanted to put a comedy club on this ranch? Is there any rules? They go, no. No, go ahead. They were like, go ahead. I go, what about a shooting range? They're like, okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Fine. Yeah, bring it. Like, do whatever the fuck you want. Put a fence around, shoot every animal you have. Yeah. Like, they Kill don't them care. All. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's freedom. It is. It is. It's freedom. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I enjoy, you know, I'm uh, socially uh, pretty liberal, but physically pretty conservative. And Yeah, me too. And uh, so I, I, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I just lean that way, and so I, I, I hope that Texas, you know, leans that way too. You know, uh, I don't know that it ever will, but you know, I, 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 I love the the freedom of Texas, and uh, and I, and I love calling myself a Texan. You know, it's a, it was a sovereign nation at one time. We can fly our flag as high as the U.S. flag; no other state can because they weren't. A is sovereign really? nation. That's true. You, you, you could fly the Texas flag at the, the same only, height. It's the only flag. Yep. Yep. Do you know why uh, this place is so crazy? Do you know the whole history? Why it's so different than anywhere else? Why Austin or Texas? It's just Texas in general. Because it was its own country. Because the Comanches. Uh, the Comanches. It's really what it is. Oh, okay. Let's, had, all had, right. Let's hear it, Joe. They had to fight off the Comanches. The Comanches. They were mean. Were the baddest motherfuckers yeah. in the plains. And they literally ran the western part of this country. Sure. They were the most savage. They, they, all they ate was meat. They lived off of like buffalo meat, basically. They learned how to ride horseback better than any other Indians. They learned how, and they called themselves Indian. This is the thing like Native American versus Indian. I've talked to them. They prefer the term Indian. I don't, I don't know if that applies to all of them, but the ones that I've talked to when I've been trying to educate myself about this shit, they said we we prefer the term Indians. But didn't the American people or the the settlers call them Indians because yeah. they thought we were in, they were in they, India? The original people in the 1400s thought they were in India. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it, it stuck. stuck. Right. And but the Comanches, they were when the, the the Texas Rangers were the first guys to figure out how to beat the Comanches. So Mexico was allowing people to move in to Texas and Oklahoma back in the day when the settlers were they're like, go ahead, my friend, go ahead, it's free. And they were basically using settlers as a buffer for the Comanches because everybody who moved into these places and built houses just got slaughtered. Right. And so when the but Texas was, Rangers Texas figured was out. was Mexico until when? Yes. Until what year? I don't remember what year. But they figured out, the Texas Rangers were the first guys who figured out how to fight the Comanche. And they, what they did is they basically fought like them. The early settlers used to get off of their horses to shoot. 
So they'd get off their horses with a fucking musket, and the Comanches would run on them, and they could shoot five, six arrows in six seconds. From horse. So they back. would just shoom, boom, right. boom, filling them up with arrows. And these poor bastards had the musket with the stick and the powder, right. and they got fucked. So Colt figured out how to make a revolver. And the first revolver was made like somewhere in like the 1840s. And one of the very first people that used the revolver was the Texas Rangers, was Jack Hayes. Jack Hayes was the original Texas Ranger. And this bad motherfucker figured out how to live like a Comanche, fight off a horseback. 99% sure that's his name, Jack Hayes. Google that real quick. But um, we, have a, we actually made a, a, a large photo of this dude that's going to hang in the, the front lobby. Oh, cool. Yeah, that, there he is. John Hayes. Well, they call him Jack, too, right? Isn't that weird that Jack, Jack is a coffee? nickname for John? Yeah, like, John F. Kennedy is Jack Kennedy? Yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. How the fuck did that happen? Jack Hayes, yeah. John Coffey, uh, Jack Hayes, yeah, 30, 60, was an American 40, military officer. So, so that dude, he's there's a, a large metal photo that's being made of him. He's the reason why Texas exists, because these, these motherfuckers figured out how to fight the Comanches. They figured out how to do it, and partly because of Colt and because of the revolver. And the revolver was basically, this all comes from a book that's an amazing book that I read uh, called Empire of the Summer Moon by this, uh, this guy, uh, Sam Gwen, uh, S.G. Gwen. And it's all about the Comanches and, and how difficult it was for the settlers to make it across Texas. So Texas became this fiercely independent place, partially in part because of their battles with the Comanches, oh, okay. who ran through Austin. Is there like you can find Comanche arrowheads in Austin right. still to this day? I have friends who've found them here. Right, I have friends that look for them all the time. They Fucking go wild. in fact, Foxworth is one of them. He goes on these arrowhead searches all over the place, and where they find them for the most is those uh, buffalo jumps. You know those places where the Comanche would force buffalo off cliffs. I didn't even know that. This is how wild it is. They would force so many of them off of cliffs that they would rot in a pile because they couldn't eat all of them. They would rot in a pile, and there would be so much bacteria and rot that they would spontaneously combust. So most of these buffalo jumps, like when you would find at the bottom of it, they'd be charred like charred cliffside because the piles of buffalo would, would literally burst and burst into flames. <laughs> How do you know all this stuff, Joe? I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> I smoke weed and I get into things. That's why I can't play golf. I know, I know. You don't have time for golf. Well, I can't play golf because I'd get obsessed. Yeah, you would. That's the you problem. You totally would, and you'd oh, get really good at it, like jujitsu or whatever it is you know. And I would get obsessed. Yeah. I know I would. I, I, Tony Hinchcliffe is obsessed now. That poor bastard. He's hooked. I know. He plays golf every day. He sends me pictures. I know. He's telling me. I, I just played uh, <laughs> golf with, uh, uh, or just had a conversation with a guy named Pete that we all know. That, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, and he had just played uh, golf that morning with Hinchcliffe, and he said he's he's horrible, but he's so into it that it, it, it doesn't even matter. That's how he is with pool. Yeah, Hinch, Hinchcliffe is horrible at a lot of things that he's really into. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I think he's uh, I think he's really funny though. Oh, I he's think hilarious. he's a ballsy young comic. Oh, I, he's one of the best up and coming comics in, I think in America. So too. And, I think you know, so too. it's uh, he came with me to Houston when we did that gig. 
Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. He's fucking hilarious. I think he's talking about moving to Austin. He's gonna. He I'm, was, I'm dragging him on here, right? Ron White. He said there's gonna be no place to do stand up, and I'm like, no, there is. There is. Joe's gonna open a club, man. I'm gonna open up a club, 100. Uh, percent That's the plan. There's a long term plan. There's a ranch and a club in those wrong long term plans. Is the, and the club's gonna be on the ranch. I don't know yet. I it haven't is, decided yet. Oh no, no. You gotta have a club where people can go to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They get in a car. You go to the ranch. No. <laughs> No, no I don't know if you You might be wrong. I could not be wrong about this. You might be wrong. Location, location, location. Mm, I don't know. Gonna, I don't know about that. Not barbecue post, and post comedy. COVID. Yeah, not just barbecue and comedy. I mean, like outdoor festivals. I want to put it in an amphitheater and oh. do co charity concerts. Oh wow! Like legitimately. Yeah, I think it all can be done. Promote it on the podcast. Put just have it for for good for goodwill. I, all know, the money goes to charity. I forget about your platform and how many people it reaches i know the first time i did your uh podcast i had no idea how big it was you just asked me to come do it and i was driving down there going i can't believe i said i would do this and <laughs> i had no idea and then i fucking hit a curb while i was pulling in and busted a tire and i'm like god damn it and then it turns out it was the biggest thing i've ever done in my career was your podcast more people saw that than anything. And I got more people coming up to me. I saw you on Rogan. I saw you on Rogan. I saw you on Rogan. I'm like, God damn, how many people are watching this fucking thing? I remember you grabbed me at the comedy store afterward. You go, I had no fucking idea. I had no idea. No idea. Nobody told me. You know, <laughs> you didn't tell me. You just, I just knew you had a podcast. And uh turned out, you know, it turned out to be a hell of a gig. Well, the thing is, it seems like it's not, right? Because it's just you and me here hanging out. You know, it seems like it's, it seems... Seems like it's just us. Yeah, right. I mean, this is how shit. we would do if we were at the back bar of the comedy store. Exactly the same thing. And that's why when I watch it, you know, I, I watched one the other day with you and uh, Whitney Cummings and... Annie Letterman. Yeah, and that was really good. <laughs> Those girls were awesome. Oh, they were so funny. Those girls are so funny. Did I tell you about uh, about uh, Whitney's pig? Yes. She uh, drove then. it all the way to Texas to a fucking pig sanctuary. And I met it. Did you meet it? Uh, yeah. You got pictures? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the pig sanctuary. So what what happened was we were gonna do I was talking to Jay McGraw and we were thinking about doing uh uh Jay's a, moving out here. Huh? Jay's moving out here. I know, you know, I don't believe it. You already bought a house. Oh, he didn't tell me that. Yeah, got a house on Lake Oh Travis. no, he did tell me that on oh, Travis, right. Shit. Yeah. So, Ron White, uh, we're bringing them all out here. All right, come on out. Come on. Uh, yeah. Bang the drums. Put up the bat signal. Yeah. I told somebody the other day that uh, he, he said, why is, uh, why is Rogan moving out here? And I said, well, because I moved out here. And he started crying. He's like, <laughs> what am I going to do without Ron White? And I'm like, true. just come on out here, Joe, and it'll be great. It'll well, be you fine. did say that. You did say and that. I, and I wiped a tear from your eye with a little tissue, and and then you just you use that bandana you have wrapped around your neck, right? Just to <laughs> just to dry your tears and tell you there's hope for your future, Joe. But you were talking about it in glowing terms, and that's not a small part of why I'm here. There's several people that talked about it in such glowing terms, and when the looting hit, that was the big right. wake up call for I me. Knew, I was I like, was. okay. I see what's going on here. You know, either can have, you know, armed guards everywhere, which I already had, you know, at the studio, or right. you know, and, and but it felt weird. It felt un. L.A. feels unmanageable. It feels like yeah, it's out of it control, is. and that Garcetti guy's not handling it well. No, I don't think so. No, it's a fucking disaster. And there's more tents now than I've ever seen in any REI convention. <laughs> everywhere you go, everyone's camping. 
You know, it's like the streets are filled with people that got evicted from their houses or right. lost their jobs or don't have any money for anything. And it's just it's just way too many folks, way too many folks and not enough people working. And it just seems dangerous. Right. Well, it's the climate's so good that if I was going to be, you know, if if I had no home, I would want to live in Southern California and be homeless there. You the know, guys who haven't made is those mobile home dudes. To drive around those shitty mobile houses, right? Because I mean, basically, you park it and there's your house. I mean, you got a roof, you got until a door, they make you locked. move, then you move and yeah. park it there. Yeah, but I mean, they're not—they're not even making people move that much anymore after COVID. Everything the, the, after this whole George Floyd thing and the attacks on the police officers, like there's very few things they're enforcing that they used to enforce. They used right. to kick the where our old studio was. They used to kick them off the streets. They used to not let them park on the street. Now they're all over the streets. I mean, right. you, you'll go down one of the side streets in the valley, and you'll see 15 on the Van Nuys area. You'll see like 15 of them in a row, 20 in a row. There's basically villages of people that are living out of their mobile homes. Right. And most of them, they barely can drive. You know, there's a lot of them right. that are all fucked up. Right. We thought someone was shooting in front of our house. We thought guns were going out in, in front of the studio, rather. And uh, w- the security guys go out there, and it's just one of those guys trying to start up his truck. And it's backfiring. Just bang, bang, <laughs> bang. I mean, really loud. Like, we were like, oh, shit, it's going down right out front. But no, just a d- dude trying to move. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I figured when I needed to, felt like I needed to hire a, uh, an armed guard to, to protect my home there, yeah. which turned out, I, you know, wouldn't Probably one, didn't. Yeah, probably yeah. didn't matter. Um but I was that worried about it, you know, just that, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put somebody up there, you know. And I felt kind of, you know, odd about doing that, but because uh, I figured if somebody paid me to, to guard their house, once people started coming at me, I would just find another job, right? I would move <laughs> on down the road and do something else for a living. You need more than one guy. Right. The, well, there were the actually two because my manager lives on that street, too. So he had one and I had one. And... uh but they never got, you know, it's pretty high up there, uh, so they, they just never got that high. You know, it was down in the flats. There were some problems. The thing but. is, once things start happening, and you you didn't start it, but you're doing it, like you're like looting. Like, it's it takes a lot to get people to smash, get someone to smash a window, run into a, into a store, and steal things. It takes a lot. But once someone's smashed the window, and then, there's three people in there stealing things, it's not that hard to run in there. Right. That's what the problem with mob mentality is. Once things start happening, it then seems normal. They get normal. this butthead momentum going, yes. and you can't fucking stop it. You know, yeah. It's very hard to stop. And once the genie's out of the bottle, like it is in L.A., when they when they lit those cop cars on fire and smashed all those streets on Melrose and all the way down Hollywood Boulevard and just robbed all those stores, I was like, oh, right. you're not doing anything about this? There's No no cops are stopping this. You're going to let them? The, the strategy was to let them burn themselves out. Right. I'm like, well, you've just set a precedent. Heck, right. And so it's going to take years to turn this fucking battleship kind of around. Herd immunity yeah. is kind of what they were going for there. <laughs> Eventually, it'll all be okay. Yeah. I was, you know, I was shocked. I've been I've, I've been in a state of shock, you know, and, and, and somewhat depressed uh, about the state of the nation, you yeah. know, and uh, and the world that we live in, and how what what's the answer to all this, you know? Is there an answer to all this? Uh, and and it has affected me emotionally, and and uh, and not just certainly not because of what's happened to, to me. It's just my fear of what's happening to everybody else because right. I know I'm okay, right? And uh, and I'm in a 
in a in a in a great uh, a great position to weather the storm. But of that's course. one of the reasons and, why you're okay. The the people the the real danger is when the economic situation deteriorates into a place where it's unmanageable, and that that's how it is for a lot of people. A lot of those people that are looting and robbing stores, like AOC, something said something ridiculous. Like maybe those people are just stealing some bread to feed their families. Like probably not. But the reason why they're doing it is because they're broke. That's there's no yeah. rich people out there looting. No, you know they're they're looting because they're desperate and because COVID and the lockdown has put people into this unmanageable situation where they really don't have any light at the end of the tunnel. They don't know what to do. That's dangerous. And so that's where you realize how much economic prosperity is attached to a civilized society. If everybody's doing well, everybody's fine. But as soon as people aren't doing well, right. more is more danger. Yeah, there's more gotta... crime. There's more, you know. And I don't know how that turns around. When all these businesses go under and then people have, what are they going to do, start new businesses? No. Like how much government not. money I mean, has the, to be? Just the number of restaurants that we lost in Austin that will never come back. And small, but not just restaurants. That's the one I feel because I go out to eat every meal. But, but I know that these mom and pop shops were not prepared for this right. and, uh, in any way, shape, or form. And uh, they hung on for a minute and they're gone. Yeah. And, uh, and will they ever come back? I, you know, but God, I, you know, you hope so. Yeah. But you wonder how, you know, you wonder how. Well, Austin, at least they're letting these people stay open with limited capacity and, you know, make people wear masks. In L.A., you can't do anything. I mean, L.A. is the one place in the whole country where you can't open a beauty salon. You can't. These, all these hairdressers and barbershops are fucked. Right. I mean, they've been closed for six months. You see that Nancy Pelosi shit? Did you see that? <laughs> I did. How fucking crazy is that lady? Uh, she she without a ma without wearing a mask. I mean, you want to talk about a hypocrite? The the fucking all the beauty salons are locked down. She went into the beauty salon with right. no mask, wandering around, got a blowout when no one else could even go to the beauty salon. They caught her on security camera. They uploaded it, and you know what she said? It's a setup. She she said it was a setup. Right. Like yeah. they set her up. Like, you know the fucking, I don't even have any hair. Right. And I know you can't go to a beauty salon. I mean, It doesn't apply to you, Joe. Literally. Literally doesn't apply to me at all. And right. I know the fucking rules. She's the speaker of the house. Right. You're telling me you don't know the rules in your district in San Francisco? You don't know the rules? Of course you know the rules. Of course you do. That's so slippery. That lady handed Trump a, a giant bat. gift. Oh. Yeah, it was almost like when uh, when uh, Hillary called the supporters a black basket of deplorables. I'm like, you just yeah. handed a man that had a baton a bat to hit you with. And, and not a regular one. Stupid. One of the right. ones with the barbed wire wrapped around it like <laughs> yeah, the dude had a bloody weapon. Walking dead. Yeah, the minute I heard that, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I thought you're supposed to be smart. She's not smart. She's just a politician. She's just greasy. They've just been doing it long enough so they know the, the moves to do and the right steps. It's like, yeah, they're all yeah. gross. It's just, there's no getting around it. You, you, can't, you can't survive in that business if you're, if you're not gross. Right. You just, that's how you get there. That's how you stay there. And they, 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 they feed off of the fact that they have control. They feed off of the fact that they have power over other people. They have more power than anyone else. And that's one of the reasons why she would do something like that. You tell me she can't get someone to come to her house and wear a mask and give her a blowout. She's worth $100 million. Of course she can do that. Right. But she's like, mm, I'm going to walk right in there and they're going to do it for me. I'm not going to wear a mask. Right. I've never washed my own hair. She's going to stroll right in there like she owns the joint. 
It's just like when you see politicians being hypocritical, like that lady in uh, Chicago, the mayor of Chicago, she's like, you know, d d talking up these people in these peaceful protests and everything's fine. But then they tried protesting on her block. She set up fucking armed guards. She said made a mandate. You can't I don't know, mandate. She just said you can't protest on her street. Like, right. I, I have a right to protect my own safety. Like, bitch, that's what everybody's that's, trying to do. Yeah, right. That's what we're in here. That's, that's what, what we're, we're doing in that's here. That's what we're doing. But that's what people feel when they get into a position of power. That's the problem with power. That's the problem with whether it's Garcetti or Newsom or anybody dictating any of these rules. When someone gets into a position of power, it's fucking intoxicating. It the is. ability to tell people you can't work, you right. shut it down, you know, start it up, shut it down. Like, it's intoxicating. And once you have some power, boy, it's very difficult to give that power up. I, I anticipate that even if they figure out a real cure for coronavirus, I anticipate lockdowns now for flu. I think there's going to be lockdowns for all sorts of diseases that kill a certain amount of people. Man. You could, you could, you might be, I might be wrong, but you could see it happening. You could see it happening because they've set a precedent for them having the ability to dictate whether or not people work and whether or not people are allowed to move freely and do whatever they want. Because yeah. that's what happens when people have power. It's a fucking dangerous intoxicant. Yeah, I, I, well, I believe you're right about that. Uh, that it's a, it's a, a it's. <laughs> dizzying uh how sexy power is and how sexy you feel when you have it and uh and that but i don't think you know i i think we find a i think we find a vaccine and we move on or know? the aliens land i've been thinking the you, aliens are coming you know I, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day another billionaire i got a few billionaire buddies and Look at uh, you i know it's a move i do i know really yeah. i think i'm sucking up to they'll, them for a reason they'll tell you in advance what, what's about to happen well uh and uh well well this one this guy particular guy is uh uh really 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 smart and uh he, he has no doubt in his mind whatsoever that uh aliens are uh, dancing among us, and uh, I think he's right. Pass me the little baby cigars, Ron White. I love those things. The I'm white one or the dark one? Are there different colors? Well, there's this one. Oh, that's not a cigar. Right. I know what the fuck that is. That's a CDB. Uh, oh, those yeah, that we were talking yeah, about yeah, earlier. Yeah. Give me some of that light. Mm. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm convinced. I'm 100% convinced. I used to be uh, 60%. And you were up to 100? Yeah, I talked to Commander Fravor, okay, David Fravor. Uh, at one time in my life, I could do uh, 75 push-ups, and I'm down to three. You can right, get back up to 75? No, no. I'll show you how. All right. You got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to people that have seen them. I talked to this one guy who is a, a pilot in the – is he the – Air Force and Navy, Navy pilot, I believe. Commander Fravor is in the Navy. And um, he encountered this thing that they, they call the, the Tic Tac UFO. This is a, an object that they tracked on radar that went from 60,000 feet to one foot above sea level in less than a second. They don't know how fast it did it because it was a, literally a blip in the radar. It went from 60,000 feet down to one feet. They have no idea how fast it moved. They have no idea how it did it. It shows no signs of propulsion. There's no heat. Uh, no exhaust signature. There's nothing that that has uh, any indication that it's acting in any way, like in any propulsion system that we've ever observed before. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. John was telling me to to watch a a show called Close. That's Encounters. it, Jamie. You just uh, nailed it. Oh, Whatever the, it was, you yeah. just found it. You just did it. Oh, it's back again. There's a little, uh, folks. If you hear, there's a little hum. There's a little strange audio hum that Jamie's trying to track down. I think it's aliens. We'll get this worked out. Yeah. We'll get it worked out. I don't think anybody's gonna care. They might. I don't think so. So you, you oh, anyway, if I had to give you a percentage of whether or not aliens are real, what's the percentage for you? Um, eighty-one point three. Mm, that's a good number. Yeah, 81.3. That's likely. Yeah, likely. I mean, how could it not be? You know, right. how, how could it not be? Uh, uh, I, 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 you know, I really don't even... It, it was kind of odd that he and I were talking about it, but he has a really nice plane, and he lives in Malibu and Austin, and so every time he moves from one city to the other, it happens to fit my schedule exactly right. So I'm like, that's weird. I was going to Beverly Hills today. How about I hop on the plane? Run. I'm on it by myself. Come on. Let's go. And uh, Nice. So uh, when he pops back down to Austin, even if it's just for a couple of days, you know, I hop on. And I, I really enjoy this guy's mind. And I consider him a mentor in business and life. I know who you're and, talking about. Yeah, John Paul uh, DeJoria. And, uh, but he just started talking about it. I hear day. nothing but good things about that guy. God, he's the best. I hear he's a fascinating dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you, you know, if he would do your podcast. Do you sure think he'd do it? Do, I think he would. I would love to have him on. He, you know, he's a guy that started selling shampoo out of the trunk of his car, you know, and, uh, and sold Patron. I think last year for five point one billion dollars, and still owns sixty sixty other companies, including Paul Mitchell, which he started. Here's the thing: and, at uh, what point do you stop working when you're that guy? Never, never. He never wants to stop. He never considers stopping. I was so shocked when he sold Patron uh, because I just didn't think he ever would, you know, because he doesn't need to sell it. And uh, but for whatever reason, he did, and. Uh, and in fact, I said something that made him laugh really hard because he told me about it. He called me and told me how so I sold it to Bacardi for five point one billion. And I said, "Well, that sounds like a lot of money, but it sounds like more money when you realize the point one is a hundred million dollars. That's a <laughs> that's like the biggest point one there is, right? right. There is no point one trillion. There, right. That doesn't even exist. It's a point one billion is." Hundred million, but he said that uh, to watch a watch a show, which I never watched because I I, I think he got an advanced copy of it, which was Cl Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, is what it's called. And uh, I, I looked it up, and it was and it was coming on something, but it hadn't been on yet. So I think he just got an advanced copy of it. And he said that it'll it'll take every single doubt out of your mind that's ever been there. Wait a minute, isn't that a, that's a Stephen Greer movie? Uh, no, that's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. No, no, no. That's Steven Spielberg. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Steven, Steven, Steven Greer is a guy we had on the podcast before. Oh, that wrote the of the. Yeah, he's a no. He's a UFOlogist. Air quotes. Okay. Sideways face. Right. Skeptical hippo face. Right. Blink monocle. Yeah. Hmm. Um. There's a lot of fuckery in that UFO world. There's a lot of people that are making documentaries, and a lot of people that are. There's a real good one though about Bob Lazar. Called uh, Bob Lazar UFOs in Area 51. I think that's exactly the title of it, but it's by my friend Jeremy Corbell. And uh, it's about this guy who was a physicist who worked at uh, Area S4 in the Nevada desert, right. um, back engineering this craft that the government had recovered. 
and immediately upon working there realized like what in the fuck is this like right away knew that this was no technology that we had currently available i mean this guy was a physical he was a physicist a nuclear physicist at los alamos labs right worked on weapon systems and right shit. yeah and would know and got there and was like what are you guys doing like what <laughs> what is this and they were basically explaining like the, these are recovered ufos and one of them apparently according to him was very old and that it was from some sort of an archaeological dig that they found. And the propulsion system that these things used was that they used this element called Element 115 that wasn't even proven to actually exist until, I think it was 2013, they uh, proved that it exists in a particle collider. But this guy was talking about in 1989, and he said that they had a stable supply. Is that your phone that keeps doing that? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me it's all right. Weird dang. Maybe maybe that's the whole problem. That's UFOs. The um, but this documentary is fascinating because the propulsion system that he's describing is exactly the same that Commander Fravor had described in the TikTok UFO that they found off of. You just gotta shut it so it doesn't yeah, make noise. I just turned it off. Did you? The nobody uh, needs me. <laughs> they do. I need. I'm you. irrelevant, dude. You're I'm not I'm, irrelevant. I'm, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Stop saying that. Anyway, the um, the propulsion system that he described in 1989 is exactly the same propulsion system that they witnessed this TikTok UFO using in 2007 or whatever it was that David Fravor had seen this thing off the right. coast of San Diego. So what those people that saw these crafts um, that were monitoring them in the military, they were saying they see these like every few months. They see these things, and they don't know what the fuck they are. They don't know what to do. They scramble jets to go watch them. They actively block their uh, tracking systems, and then they disappear faster than you can look at it. Just, just take off. They have no idea what they are. They don't know where they're from. They don't know what they're doing. And then the Pentagon recently has come forth and released these statements, and one of them being that they've recovered crafts that are not of this world. 86.6. I'm up to 86.6. Pass that letter. My little cigarillo went out of... Oh, no, I dropped some dirty tobacco juice in this fucking thing. I'm going to scoop that bad boy out of there. I'm going to keep drinking. Um, but I'm in, dude. I'm, I'm I'm like 95%. You're down from 100, and I'm up to 86. Yeah. That's... I listen to my own bullshit, and I go, right? dude, stop, stop. You're about... I'm going to drink this with the ashes. I don't give a fuck. Oh, fuck, i got to turn my phone back on, because i got to show you... Uh, what are you gonna show me? The pig. UFOs? No, the pig. pig. <laughs> the pig. Whitney Cummings pig? Whitney Cummings pig. I mean, I, I'm not there's no way you could possibly. There it is. It's right there. Kapow. There it is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's Whitney Cummings pig. So she was the first person to explain to me that those miniature pigs yeah. are not real. No, right. Yeah, that's proof right there, right? Yeah. How little is that pig? Well, they think they're miniature pigs because they starve them. So people buy this little tiny pig. They go, oh, this is a miniature. It's a teacup pig. And I go, oh, great. Who and wouldn't want that, you know? Yeah, a you feed it. Right. And it grows to be, you know. Alex Ramundo bought three of them. And they, they <laughs> he did. And he lived up in Palmdale. And he, eventually, they just got out. And then every once in a while, you'd see them. Now they have tusks, and they weigh 450 pounds. Yeah. And, you know, they're rum So this place. Do they uh, recognize let, let, him? Let, let's finish the uh, story we were on. Which story? The we UFO part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and well, then go back into the pigs. The Bob Lazar documentary is a must see. I'm directing. You, sh now. you should see it. Well, no, direct away. I love you. Do whatever right. you want. 
Um, but the Bob Lazar documentary is a must-see. If you're, if you're curious and on the fence about UFOs, and I had that guy in here. I talked to him. He gave one of the first interviews that he's given in a long fucking time. Right. And I, I, I picked his brain for hours. I'll go back and listen to it. He, he didn't seem like a bullshit artist to me. He, there's, there's some weird parts of it, but there's always going to be weird parts when you're talking about literally back-engineering something that someone from another planet invented and using some technology that we don't understand. And one of the analogies that he had was imagine if you brought a nuclear reactor to the 1400s and introduced it to them, which 1400s is nothing, 600 years ago. Right. In terms of the age of the universe, it's a fucking not even a blink of an eye. I think we could just go back to 1800s. 1800s. And Show them a nuclear reactor. And be pretty surprised about a nuclear uh, let, Let's go to 1936 yeah. Yeah, show right, them a nuclear right. reactor. That was his, um, his analogy. But, yeah, I get it. Like this technology is, it is technology. It's clear that they figured out how to manipulate this element and use it to to bend gravity, right. and that that's the propulsion system. Instead of using something that pushes like a fire that pushes against you know the wind and pushes you in a certain direction, or a propeller that pulls you into a certain direction, instead of that, it bends gravity. And the way he described it's like if you put a an massively heavy bowling ball in the center of a bed, right, and it just sunk everything into the bed. That's basically like a very crude description of what this element does and with their this reactor that they have on these spaceships that it literally bends gravity around and allows you to just instantaneously jettison that that ship into uh, another position in the I'd universe. I'd say, stop, Joe. I'm getting a bloodletting. <laughs> <laughs> They're draining my blood into a bowl to cure something that I think I've got. <laughs> What'd you say again? <laughs> Yeah, um, I think they've been here forever. I think they've been coming down here and observing us and, and waiting. And it also coincides with uh, there's a giant jump in sightings right after the Manhattan Project. Right. So right after we started blowing up bombs, they, they were like, hey, 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 these Wait, fucking he, monkeys are figuring easy. out some shit. <laughs> Let's go visit them again. They, they probably got a, you know, probably got a, a news wire. They probably got a, a, a Google News alert on their phones. I'm like, oh Christ! Look at these things, look at these crazy monkeys. What have they done? What have they done? What have they done? Okay, ninety-one. I'm up to ninety-one. What are you down to? <laughs> I'm down to fifty percent. We're. Uh... <laughs> I, I'm. I'm worried. I'm going to try things. to pull you out of it. I'm always worried about things that I want to believe. If I want to believe it, I'm always skeptical. Right. Me too. I don't want to fuck up your delicious tequila with ashes. Freshy there, fella. Thank you. Oh, you're going to rinse. I'm over here doing the dishes. Oh, a little rinse. I mean, this I, is the job I've been looking for right here. <laughs> <laughs> Made service at Joe Rogan. The only reason podcast. why I don't believe 100% all the time is because I right. know I want to believe 100%. So I think that I'm full of shit. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm worried about my own desire to uh, believe. All right. Because when you want to believe something, then you can. Some, it's easier to Yeah, you right? can convince yourself of shit that's not accurate. It's tricky. Right, like you know, many things. You know, I was wondering uh, uh, how uh, Trump got evangelicals to support him, and then I read the stories about Falwell Jr. and I'm like, it all makes sense now. <laughs> Falwell Jr. was going, he's a freak. You know what? I I don't see anything wrong with any of it, and, uh, <laughs> and then he. He told that to the rest of the guys, and then, oh, was I laughing so hard. You know, my, my parents used to take me to see, uh, God, who, 
what's his name? Jimmy Swagger? Swagger, yeah, Swagger. Remember when and, he got busted? Uh, oh, yeah. And I'm like, I am the straightest human being sexually in the world uh, uh, compared to these guys. And and I just, but, but, but when this happened, I laughed so hard because I just started thinking about him patting Trump on the shoulder going, hey, you know what? It's, I get it. I get it. Hey, and, it's uh, Liberty University. Right. You want then, freedom, and, and I, I was I was just searching for all that information, and then it, it got to the point where he admitted that his wife had the affair with a pool boy. That's right, out of a magazine, that's not even true, you know. So, but but it is true, and then he goes, "But I wasn't there watching," and I'm like, "I already don't believe you. <laughs> I already don't believe yeah, you." Someone says, "My it's wife had an affair." But I wasn't there watching. I'm like, wait. <laughs> what? what was that? What the fuck just happened? What did you say? You weren't there watching? Okay. I whatever. I did not fuck that guy's pig. I didn't do it. What? Why did you even bring it up? Yeah, what are you talking about, man? Where's that, where's that from? I already don't believe I think you. they're all freaks. Yeah, I do I too. mean, all the evangelicals that make all that money... There's no way they Power. just yeah. Power. Yeah. There's right? no way they just stop at the money. I used to do stand up comedy in this in the Sheraton Sankey Hotel in Clearwater, Florida, which is the same hotel where Jessica Hahn uh fucked Jim, Jim Baker, Baker. Yeah. in the in the uh, presidential suite up there. Oh man. And uh you know, and he was a, it's the same story, right? Yeah. It's always the same story. And then Kennison ended up fucking her, right? Yes. Now, what I goes when, around comes around. <laughs> when she was on, Ken, was Kennison and her were on Stern together. I think she called in when Kennison was there, and she was calling him a fucking loser. He's like, yeah. you're a whore. Right. Yeah, I remember. Terrible. I remember. It was so terrible. But the, the fact that she went from being this lady who fucked this famous preacher to being like this quasi-celebrity. And this was before reality TV. You gotta remember, back in those days, there was only a few of those weird pseudo celebrities. Right. So maybe the beginning of reality TV. Yeah, in a, right, in a way. Yeah, in a way, that was the beginning. Well, you know, Tammy Faye wasn't blowing him, right? Probably not. Not right. anymore. Yeah. She maybe. probably had it to get to the dance. Yeah. But but she lost it. Once she was in, and she had the eyelashes. Yeah. It kind of stunk one day, yeah. and she got afraid of it. Didn't she die from Diet Coke? Yeah. <laughs> I think she's one of them people that they go, man, maybe. Like she, I think she drank like 100 Diet Cokes a day. Like right? a week ago, I was in, t what is this? Uh, it's like line. I hooked up with this girl. What does it say? Jerry Falwell Jr. allegedly caught on tape warning pool boy not to make wife jealous. What? This is the one I thought you guys were talking about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that handsome fella, that yep. young boy. Apparently he would watch. The, the young fellow would say that uh, Jerry Jerry Jr. Would sit in the corner yeah. and watch. But imagine if you're There was a point in my life where I would have watched her fuck him if, if I was bored. And, yeah. You, know, and it, you have to be real bored. But Well, for that one. Yeah. I mean, you have to be real bored. Unless, I mean, like, unless you're like, unless you are trying to really corrupt your wife. You're like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get some guy to fuck her in front of me and that bitch can't say shit. Right. From now on, I could do all kinds of wild stuff. Like I watched the pool guy fuck you. I was in the right. I, I had was, my arms crossed. Uh, I got pictures on my cell phone. I was watching you suck his dick uh, like this. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you want, I mean, if you really want to corrupt someone to the point where they, they got to leave you alone with all your deviance. That would be one way to do it. That's probably the best way. If you're a woman, because like a, a, like a, a woman cheating on a man, for whatever reason, seems more scandalous than a man cheating on a woman in general. And then on top of that, I don't know why it seems easy, more scandalous, easy, but it does. Easy, Joe. Because it easy. seems like men cheating, well, it's all dependent upon the person. It's all on the individual, but it's scandalous because it's more scandalous because the man's letting her. Like, there's more threesomes, and I'm, I'm just pulling this number out of my hat. But I think there's more threesomes that involved the wife or the girlfriend bringing in another woman right. than ever than a guy bringing in another guy. Dude, right, right. Like, hey, you know, I love my wife, but she wants, she wants, hey, Bob, she wants you to fuck her. Uh, so I'm right. going to watch. That's probably way more rare. Uh, probably way, 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 way more. Because I have multiple friends that have had their, their girlfriend or their wives bring home other gals. It seems normal. Yeah, I, I had a I had a friend that we the when friend whatever, but the first time I met him, I was playing golf with him, and he showed me a video fucking tape of his wife getting banged by a really attractive huge black guy, and he and he didn't even know me, and he goes, "Look at this." He handed me the camera. That's that my wife. He goes, "That's my wife," and I'm like, "That's okay, my April." All right, well. Can I get a check, please? I gotta, I'm going to have to go. Yeah, that's a guy and, who's he's establishing some very loose boundaries. Right, very, very loose. Very loose for himself, too. And right? you, but for your friendship. Yeah. I think right. it's going to go real weird with that guy. He's already showing I, you video I, I, of his wife getting fucked. I was thinking that he was uh, trying to rope me into this. but Probably. I, and, uh, and if I would have done it, then uh, he would have gotten footage of that. And then, boom, yeah. he'd have had you know. liberties with me, too. Yeah, you, know, you, know. you don't know what I would have done to get right. Out of that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's probably how they do it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like sex is such a weird thing in terms of like what's acceptable to some folks is deviant to others, and I think there's a lot of uh, these people that are uh, evangelical types in particular, especially that probably they can't hold that standard. There's no way. Right. Right. That standard of piousness. And they're out there speaking God's word. Right. And they're doing it to thousands and thousands of people. And it's a powerful position, which makes women horny, you know. And then you start getting these little opportunities pop up that would have never popped up if you were down at the First Baptist Church of Oaxaca. Right. Right. Uh, then, uh, but now you're the First Baptist of the world. Right. And it's probably kind of hot, right? Yeah. A woman comes up, a real deeply Christian woman. Jerry Falwell Jr., I just tell you, I am a woman of God, but there's something about you that brings a fire to my loins. <laughs> next thing you know, next thing you know, you're doing coke right. in a they, penthouse. Yeah, with a big old glass of red wine. Woo! And, <laughs> porn everywhere. Woo! Oh, baby. Yeah. Oh, baby. You're crushing up pills. Yeah. Yeah, let's get Donald. Listen, don't don't sweat that. Donald Donald Trump's my friend. I'll call him right now. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, "What? No, Donald Trump, really? Mar-a-Lago? I got a gold card. Look at that gold card." Yeah. Why else would you be a billionaire? Why else? Come right. on, man. Don't you want to party? Yeah, right. Yes. You should go at the it, The fuck man. are you doing? Yeah. You just want to be a billionaire? Your bank account's full. Your balls are empty. What are you going to... What is the point? Am I in the way, Jamie? Am I fucking up his camera? We're, uh... It turned real blue for a second. 
Oh, it's the aliens. We don't like this conversation. What happens when you talk about them? Or the televangelists. Yeah. It's, a, it's just, as soon as someone is telling you, you know, like how to live your life and people are listening, boy, that gets fucking crazy. All right. What you can and can't do, what God wants. Right. Remember that uh, Hicks bit about Jesse Helms and these. <laughs> and, uh, How'd they go? It was something about uh, that uh, they were interviewing his wife after he died, and she was talking about it, Jesse's collection of little shoes. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, that's what's so fucked up. You remember when you used to think that pedophile cults were just some ridiculous conspiracy theory? You know, like, oh, hey, man, there, there's an island, and they fly people out to the island, they right. fuck underage girls. Like, get oh, out that of here isn't this. really going on, get Jeff. Out get out of here with this nonsense. Yeah. Meanwhile, Clinton's like, well, he was my friend. We flew a lot. Oh, that's good. We flew together. Good... It's not a big deal. He's a good guy. I, I played golf with him once, and, uh, and he told me a joke. It was... Uh, or he set it up as a story, so it was pretty good, you know. And he goes, it was a rapper friend that he knows. And and uh, he was in a Maserati dealership and all thugged out. And the guy goes, are you thinking about buying one of these cars? And he goes, no, I'm going to buy one of those cars. I'm thinking about pussy. Yeah, that's an old joke. Is it? Well, then. It's an old joke. Clinton's a hack. Yeah, Clinton. <laughs> I hadn't heard it. So, to me. It was just Clinton telling me a pussy a story with the word pussy in it. I'm so thinking about pussy. All right. Yeah. It's did, just did you too ever bad do impressions or do you just do that one? I got a, I got a few impressions. Do you? Yeah, but he's one of my favorite. I did. I had this bit uh, that I was doing for a while. I don't know if you ever saw it about. Uh, I had a new Netflix show called Ex Presidents High on Mushrooms, and uh, the, the the whole goal of the show was just to get Clinton. And that you don't want to get Bush because he would just start crying, right? You know, but but and Obama probably he knows how to do mushrooms. Like he'll probably be cool with you. Like that probably wouldn't even be that big a deal, right? But but if you can get Clinton high on mushrooms, like if you just just get that guy to trip balls, right? He should have been a comic. That's what I think. Should have been a sax player. You know who should have been a comic? That Wiener guy. Oh yeah, Anthony Wiener. Yes, should have been a comic. Was a full blown dumb enough. <laughs> Right <laughs> to become a comedian, just, yeah. just sending his dick out to everybody. He yeah. went to jail for sending his dick to underage people, though, right? Right, that's yeah. what he did. But how yeah. do you know how old that person is you're sending that dick pic to? <sighs> you know, be you careful. You can only be hope. Careful. He <laughs> didn't know, but <laughs> these fucking perverts and deviants. You know, I see perverts and deviants that are good speakers. I'm like, man, you missed the open mic night. Yeah, you, you sure you did. Fucked up. You could have brought this to a bigger audience. You're in the wrong business. You're in a business where you get chastised and d d you you lose everything for being who you are. Instead of like selling out stadiums, right? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of people yeah. laughing, you fucked up, bro. So you're an arena comedian, right? I used to be before the Great Plague. No, but I mean that's the you know the size of numbers you draw when you yeah. decide to do stand up. Is there coliseums and shit like that? Did, did you ever think that would happen in your life? I don't think it's happening when it's happening. All right. Like when I'm <laughs> You're getting able to introduced. Ignore it? <laughs> when I'm getting introduced. Well, most of the time I'm high, right? So when I'm getting introduced, there's a moment where I do not believe it's real. And that that, that moment is always, at, that's at comedy clubs, that's at theaters, and it's most, right. most certainly at arenas. There's a moment where they're like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Joe Rogan. Pow! 
and you walk into a theater in the round and there's 15,000 people there. Right. It just does not feel real. It does not feel real. It never feels real, but I know how to do it. Yeah, so right. I just go out and do yeah. it like it feels real. What's up? Uh, What's I, up? I've earned it. What's up? What's up? This makes sense. Yeah, makes, this is normal. Yeah, this is how I live. It doesn't make sense. I think when it makes sense, I'm in trouble. When it doesn't, when it doesn't freak me out, it, it, you know, that's that's when I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it may you know when we were doing blue collar, I think the biggest one we did was a little over twenty thousand at uh, the place where they play hockey in in Nashville. And uh, we'll always have the record or attendance there because we had the smallest stage. Elton John used to hold it, but we had a smaller stage in the middle, right? So we like could fill it up all desk. the way around it. <laughs> and it was packed to the rafters with these huge TVs. Run, right, wow! And, uh, <sighs> and then afterwards, we go back to the Lowe's Hotel, and, uh, and uh, there's a guy there from a magazine doing interviews. And my head is so pumped up. I was like, well, you know, I said some stupid shit. And Foxworthy was just regular, humble, sweet Foxworthy, right? Who never makes a mistake in those kind of ways because that's his nature, right? Just he doesn't get drunk way. enough, right? Yeah, I do, right? <laughs> I get plenty drunk to say the wrong fucking thing. And, uh, of course. So there were just some really arrogant sounding quotes out of that. But, uh, but how, what's my head supposed to feel like after that? You know, after I just yeah. walk off stage of, uh, with 20,000 people screaming like, a, you know, like I'm a beetle or whatever. It's crazy. And uh, how do I calm down from that? I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I, I've never figured it out. I just, I just uh, shake my head and go, wow, is that real? That's and why those rock moving. stars died at 27, you know? They, yes. they, didn't, they couldn't figure that out, and it happened to them young. It didn't happen to me until I was in my late 40s. Not only that, it happened to them before it happened to anybody else before them. Right. There was no rock stars before the rock stars. So right. before the 50s and the 60s, there's nobody selling out 25,000 seats. Like, uh, of course Elvis died reason. on the toilet right. exactly. filled with pills. How the fuck is he supposed to manage this thing that no one's ever had to manage before? No idea. There's no blueprint. There is none. For us, none. we could look at, you know, Chris Rock and... Richard Pryor and Steve Martin and all these other big acts that came before us and go, okay, how do these guys handle it? Can I talk right. to them? Could I could I sit down with Louis C.K.? Could I sit down with Dave Chappelle? Will he tell yeah. me what it was like? Yeah, like, what mistakes do you not yeah. make? Yeah, what, how do you? What is it like when you, you walk know, out it's, there? It's it's set with booby traps and I stepped in every one of them. <laughs> I mean, it was like I was trying to hit them all. I was like clonk clonk clonk. Really? Are they everywhere? I put a foot. Oh. Blonk. It's fun when you do it with other people. Chappelle and I did a bunch of gigs, and we were supposed to do a bunch more until the COVID hit, but um, we, we broke the record of the Tacoma Dome. It was 25,000 people. You just and, said and that to brings, beat my number of 20,000? I just you, had it in my yeah, pocket. Right. And he You're has like, a, oh, I got this. I'm going to throw it on him. a DJ, and you know, right. he's, he's like, it, the whole thing is so crazy. The lights are spinning around and everything. And there's a, there's a thing that you feel like, first of all, you like, and Dave said to me right, right before he went on stage, like we were hanging out in the back, and he's like, not a lot of motherfuckers get to do this. Right. Yeah, he was right, too. <laughs> that was the way he said he it. Right. Like, like, man, uh, like, yeah. And it, Dave, like me, gets fucked up before shows. Right. He's like, like uh, I, I like hanging out with other dudes who get really high before shows. Because there's something about that wild ride. I, I akin it to, I liken it to skiing downhill when you're going too fast. Right. And you know you're in trouble, but you can still do it. Yeah. You make it, you land at the end, shh, you're like... Woo, that was dangerous, because I really didn't have control of that. At one point in my comedy career, 
my goal was to be smoking a joint outside that door, take a big hit, ladies and gentlemen, Rod White, blow the hit out in their face. Hi. Yeah. Hi. At one point in time, and then you did it so many times. It was like, right. all right. Yeah, it's a fun way to do comedy. This just uh, the the most fun thing about comedy is not just doing comedy, but doing comedy with other people that are also enjoying doing comedy. That's right. like that's why the fucking store's so great. I know, right? I know. That's why we have to recreate that here, my friend. Well, you know, you're but in? you're moving it out you to in? a fucking ranch, yeah, dude. Just do we all get to drive. do just we all get dry. to live on the ranch? You want to? I'll yeah, set that up. That'd be great. Uh, I will absolutely be interested in that. Uh, we we all move out to the ranch I, and I'll set up eat large barbecue chunks and... of property on the ranch just for comics. How about every comic? Every comic that's like a legit headliner gets like a two acre plot of land on the ranch. You you got a nice yard. You do whatever you want. Build a house for you. Do we got to come on? Do we got to do you don't the have yard? to fuck anybody, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to fuck my wife and I'm going to film it. Woo! <laughs> I got to tell you, I just met her and I'm in. <laughs> she's hot. Oh God. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I figured she was, but I'd never seen a picture she's of her or anything. My she's favorite so, person. She's so beautiful. She's and what a nice a, lady. Got a cool personality and, yeah. but yeah, you could watch. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't care who saw that. Woo! Bring in the pool boy. Who's got the camera? Mm. Yeah, I, I. I don't really want to have a cult on a ranch, but um, but I do think it would be fun to have a comedy club out there. You I know, there's this really fun. cool building. It's not too far from your house, and it's a. Uh, you know, have you ever? I wish I wish I, I knew the titles or some of this stuff, but it it was a cult, and they built a a theater right over here, right next to. Uh, Right next to Travis, you know what? There were we went to see Monty Montgomery that night. Didn't you go with us over there to play that theater, the little three hundred and fifty seat? I should just 400. explain to people that are just listening. Sometimes he asks questions to his son Marshall, who's in the room. Right. So it's like, what do you, what, who your uncle? Like, what are you saying? Right. No, he, he's my memory. There it is. Sometimes. Jamie's got it. One World Theater. Yeah. Oh shit. It, it, it's uh, it, this guy was a cult figure, and he built this for him to dance. Oh, look in. at him! Look at the dude! <laughs> right? And, oh, uh, look at him with look no at him. shirt on! Look at, those look at abs. his abs! Right? Oh my God! Of course he had abs. So this is over by your house, and it seats about three hundred and fifty people. I did a show there the other uh, night. How many people? Look, there it is, right there. Three fifty? I That's think perfect. so. It doesn't look like three fifty there. That's but, perfect. Uh, That's it, a perfect yeah. size for a comedy club. Yeah, it is. Was that guy dead? Uh, he, well, the cult dissolved, and now they do occasional shows in it. And uh, is the guy still alive? <sighs> Click on him, Dude, James. I don't know. Click on him down there, the, uh, the lower right-hand corner, the bottom I picture. Don't think that's him. No, the one below it, below it, below that, the one below that, below that, right there, that one. That's him. That's a cult guy. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, there's something on Netflix now <laughs> that I watched. He uh, just uh, looks full of shit. Yeah, doesn't he? Doesn't he? <laughs> This is like this is a certain fake spiritual look that's like one of my favorite right. looks. He looks like he would fuck off. anybody, anybody. See, yeah. I always feel like with fake spiritual women, they're just trying to find themselves. I give them a free pass. Right. But fake spiritual dudes, I'm like, yeah, you're just trying to on. fuck. Yeah, I see you're, what you're doing. You're looking for to, an angle. You're just trying to get an angle on you're some lost women. I know what you're doing, bro. Yeah. Nice abs, though, huh? Crazy abs. Guy must be watching his diet. Yeah, doing he's a lot doing of a lot of sit-ups. Things. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that building is right over by your house. Oh. And uh, well, 
I don't want a cult building. That seems like a terrible I thought you idea. did. And that's why it no, gave me this idea. You, you were the one bringing building. up the kilt shit. I'm going to do it the right way. All right. This guy's out, an asshole. Out on a ranch. <laughs> out on a the ranch. The key to a successful cult is you have no membership. Do whatever you want. You don't have to. You can leave whenever you want. You don't fuck everybody's wife. And you don't take 10% of their money. That's the key. What's the that's point? That's the thing. They're doing it all wrong. Yeah, what's the point? There's no then? point. All right. See? The point is just stay slightly drunk and keep moving. Right. That's the, that's the point. I would like to say, ta-da! <laughs> You're doing it already. Yeah. Yeah, micro-dosing and slightly drunk. Yeah. That should be the title of your book. Have you ever written a book? Mm-hmm. A New York Times bestseller. Oh, shit. Ron yeah. White? I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability. It was uh, uh, number one. It, it, it tied for 15th place, which makes you wow. a number one bestseller. <laughs> And uh, for the rest of your life. That's amazing. You put it on your fucking tombstone. You That's know? pretty amazing. And uh, basically, it was just a, they had asked me to do it, and I said no. And uh, and then they asked me again and said, for this much money, and I said no. I don't have time. I'm not going to write a book. It's not what I do. I'm doing stand-up, and I'm doing well. Because it was after everything was clicking, right? And then they said, how about we just copy a transcript of your show and put that in there, and then you just add a couple stories. I'm like, for how much? And they said this much, and I said, "Yeah, all right, let's do that." So, mm. and it, turned, I had to go on a book tour, which was a pain in the ass, and sign books. But still, it was a New York Times bestseller. So, that's congratulations! Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm also an honorary member of, of a Harvard Lampoon. Are you really? Yeah. All right. What else? Which was very cool. You really good at badminton, something like that. Uh, I'm okay at uh, ping pong. I used to be good at ping pong, but not ping anymore. Ping pong's but, tricky, man. Yeah, tricky. That's a that's a touch thing. You gotta be. Mm. You mm. gotta have a ping pong table and you ping pong all the time. But I was good at 160 pounds. I oh. doubt it. At two uh, two fifteen, I don't think I'm that good. Mm, I think yeah. I've lost some of my twitch. I get it. It's hard on the knees too. There's a lot like tennis. When I see people playing tennis, I'm like, man, you only have so much meniscus. I know. You know, that's Dr. Phil. You know, I play golf with Dr. Phil, but he plays tennis. That's his game. And it keeps his knees so fucked up. It's a great game. I love playing it. (laughs) That was good, too. I'm out there. It's amazing how much he sounds like Clinton, but it's No, it's it's a little different. It's different. I know it's different. But uh, but he but that tennis keeps his knees fucked up. You know, because he's six foot four, big guy, and... Well, he tore his shoulder apart too, pickleball. right? Pickleball. Well, what is this? That. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. It's, it's they have it in it's, Venice it's, Beach, but like yeah. it's a thing that's pop. It's tennis for old people, but it's popular here in Austin. Apparently, so you don't have it's, to move as much. Yeah. The, the idea, yeah. Look how fat. Look that at dude that fat is. guy. Is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> he just hurt his knee too. Look. <clears throat> yeah, but see, once you play virtual reality games, this just seems like a stupid waste of time. Well, out there playing pickleball, there. you know, you you play like one of them sandbox games. You ever gone to a sandbox? You know what that is? No. It's a virtual reality studio where you go to like a warehouse. They strap you up with a haptic suit so you feel when you get hit. And you put a helmet on so you're in virtual reality. You wear gloves. And you, you play these fucking crazy games. Like all kinds of wild games. Like uh, like you're, you're, you're on a pirate ship. And the, the pirate ship gets taken over by demons. And skeletons are chasing after you. You shoot muskets at the skeletons. They have one here apparently. Yeah, they do. I've seen that. it. Okay. I think the original one might have been in Austin. I believe so. But I played it in uh, Woodland Hills, out near uh, the old the old studio. And it's a blast. Oh my god, it's fucking awesome! It's so much fun. It's so much fun, and it makes you realize like you were around when Pong came out. Remember when you had the little turn? Oh, yeah, yeah. Boop, boop, and we thought boop, boop, everything that could boop, boop, be invented had been boop, boop. invented. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, this is fast forward a little bit. It's I don't care about these video. people signing I up. I can't. Oh, you can't. 
Oh, okay. I figured. We so, don't have all the glitches figured out. They go through this thing. You put on this this thing on your foot and on your hands and the suit and the headgear, and then you go into these rooms and you're transformed into this avatar and you play these wild fucking games. And what that was an awesome one. The zombie one is awesome. You're in a house and the house is overcome by zombies and they come falling out of the ceiling and running towards you and you're gunning them down. But your weapon's good. Yes. I mean, you can take them out. Yes. Their heads explode. It's fucking awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, you're gunning them down. Dot, 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 dot. And you watch their little zombie bodies get riddled with bullets. It's amazing. But it's like when you were when we're talking about playing pong, doo -doo -doo -doo. like when we were kids and we were first playing that. Like this is incredible. I'm yeah, playing something that's on the TV. That is what I look at when I look at these games, and I say, "What is it going to be like in 50 years? Yeah. What is it going to be like five years? years? Right, five years. It's going to be fucking right, right. amazing. It's not going to be pickleball. Five months, right? It ain't going to be pickleball. Pickleball's, pickleball's on the way right out there. the fucking door. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be spaceships and. Yeah, you're gonna be hanging out with Bob yeah, Lazar because we played paintball, uh, you know, which stings, right? It, That's that actually thing. hurts. Yeah, paintball and, has but, consequences, but, but it's also fun as fuck. Uh, but but this looks like this is another version of that in air conditioning, and uh, yeah. <laughs> that you you don't have to uh, feel the pain of that paintball hitting you in the rib. They have one on one like sword fights. You fight with each other. With uh, like modern like crazy weapons type situations and you know, like me my my daughter killed me she killed me in a one on one combat with you swords. let her didn't you a little bit All right but it was fun they're fun games man you just imagine what it's going to be like you know uh, doing something where you really can't distinguish like you're real it's fun you're seeing it all it's wild the video's wild you feel it like your chest vibrates when you get hit it's pretty cool. But imagine what it's going to be like when you can't distinguish it between this and reality. And, reality, you know? and you get to fuck the thing you're fighting. That's going to happen. Right. For sure. That's next. Oh, that's coming. The moment they could figure out how to do that, like with this Elon Musk Neuralink where they're doing that, the moment they could figure out how to tap into your senses to make you really feel like you're having sex with, like, you know, Tara Patrick in her prime. You know what I'm talking? All right. Woo! Some yeah. super hot. What's up, Jamie? You gotta watch that one Black Mirror episode. I, we were gonna watch it that one day, and I was like, "You should watch this at another time." But like, oh yeah, they set up this scenario where it is—it's two guys playing virtual reality. One's a guy, one's a girl, and they fuck each other, and they end up realizing they can fuck each other, oh, and that no. like causes this whole fucking chaos <clears throat> of problems. They both have girlfriend or wives, whatever the fuck. <clears throat> it's, and they wind up banging each other, and they're like, "Who who's gonna be the girl though?" So oh like, boy, oh boy, oh boy. That would be the the real question, right? If you that's could, the reason I want to go on living. <laughs> 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 I want Bridget Bardot and me Ooh. and uh, Sophia Loren back yeah, in the day in '66. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, back when Ferraris had skinny tires. <laughs> the old days. The old days, people didn't know what, anything. What are, you, what are you driving now, Joe? I got a lot of cars. Uh, got a lot many? of different stuff. How many? I like that. I, you know, I got the I got the '56 Corvette. I, I should. Oh yeah. If it would have been raining, I was going to drive it up here that's so you beautiful. could see it. And yeah, I have that one. That's '65. That that's '65 is prettier than mine. Oh, that's a yeah. crazy car, man. Yeah. That, that that's the car that I drive around where I can't believe it's mine. Yeah. I can't believe that's really my yeah. car. Yeah. When you bring that up, because because you know the. The parking lot at the at the comedy store is a shit show, but it's a shit show between ultra successful comedians who have great cars and guys that haven't had a Netflix special yet. <laughs> but as soon as they do get one, they get a car yeah. and uh, right, and then you got uh, you know. Uh, it was the, never like that, you know. 
like that place is filled with like millions of dollars in cars now. Yeah. Or at least it was before the lockdown. Well, yeah, right. Well, the old days. It was half the parking lot. You know, yeah. it was the. the but because the you old had days. some really successful comics up there and then some great comics that hadn't hit it yet. Yeah. Uh, all doing shows. And, but we were there yeah. the other day. There was a Ferrari, three Porsches, a Lamborghini. I was like, this is the craziest parking lot I've ever seen. Like right. Russell Peters' Lamborghini truck was there. And I was like, this is madness. This, this, I mean, it's when it was rocking, you know, I mean, when I say this like the old days, but it was really only seven months ago. Right. Seven months ago, rocking every rockin'. night. Fun as fuck. It was, we were in the golden years. I mean, it really was. As far as comedy goes, I've been there since 94. Never been anything like it is now. Right. Because the internet. Well, that's because of your it. podcast and Marin's podcast and all the people that feed it yep. are also working there every single night of yeah. the week that yeah. they weren't touring. And, uh, you know, it, it, it bred a place to go have fun, and, and and I think it all stems from them. Their intrinsic nature was always to embrace stand-up comedy, and it didn't matter about your insanity. So if you wanted to be crazy, come be crazy here at the at the comedy yeah. store and smoke pot right here. You have our own <laughs> bar right here, and, yep. and you can snort cocaine off this piano-shaped fucking thing in the dressing room of the main room. It's a mirror. A mirror. A, a little piano made out of mirrors that was built for prior to do blow-off of. And then many people yeah. followed in his footsteps. Yeah. and uh, But they embraced that, and it made it fun, and it made comics feel important. You know, right? yeah. If you want to smoke pot at, at the Improv, you have to go stand on Melrose Avenue and uh, smoke it in traffic because they don't give that. You know, yeah. They didn't care it's, like they did it. They didn't understand it the same way they did at the comedy. The store. improv changed a little bit over the years. <clears throat> well, they got that last, new. They have a new yeah. club up there now, but I haven't been in it since it was finished. Yeah, it's there's something about the store where they realize that the comedians are why the people are there. Right. Whereas other clubs, that's why the the comics park right next to the door, and yeah. you park wherever the fuck you can. Yeah. And uh, because you're gonna get something that you didn't even pay for when you walk in here. Yeah. You know you're gonna you're gonna see Rogan and Cummings and and uh, all the best Joey comics Diaz. in the world. Joey <laughs> Diaz just rocking the fucking place. Diaz you know? moved to New Jersey. I talked to him about it, man. And I, you know, he—he's one of the guys that uh, that that checks up on me. Yeah. You know, just to—I I get a call once a month or every month and a half or whatever from Diaz. Just uh, I tell you, Ron White, uh, Joe uh, Diaz. How are you, cocksucker? Right. Yeah, you yeah. got him. Just checking and, in on you. And and you feel like he's doing it because he gives a shit. He does. You know. He does. And uh, yeah, we were talking about. It. I, was, I was like, come to Austin with us. You know, we're we're we gotta. This is what's. Gonna I didn't. Happen. You know, if, if I'd have known about the ranch and the two acres, this... I could have. And a mule. Can we get? Do we get a mule? <laughs> I'll give you a mule. Yeah. This is what's gonna happen. Joey Diaz is gonna go through one New Jersey winter. You gotta right. realize Joey's been out there with us since '96. He right. doesn't know what winter is anymore. No, he doesn't. He's gonna go through one of those shitty New Jersey winters, and then I'm gonna call him up in April. Yeah, right, he's I'm gonna, gonna like Joe Diaz. A mule? I'm really? Joe Diaz, a Spotify money's burning a hole in my pocket. Come on, man. Come on out here. I'll sponsor you. Let's make something happen. I got a club going on. I want you to do a residency. Let's get rolling. Come out here. And he'll do it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Call I might have a, to fly call him out on a there. really bad day. I might have to fly out there and bend the knee. I'll, I'll, I'll fly up there with you. We get <laughs> okay, them together. Let's do it. I'll do whatever I can do. I'm, I'm accepting the fact because there's no comedy right now. I'm accepting the fact that he went to New Jersey, but I'm only accepting it temporarily. That's it's like a big like if you looked at my brain, like if my brain was a circle, like a pie, there'd be like a t 
15% sliver. Get Joey Diaz out of New Jersey. That's like 15% yep. of my 15%? Brain. It's in there, right. man. He's the, he, listen, he is, uh, he's a big factor in uh, all this and in the store and in my career and in comedy and podcasting wow. in general. He's a big factor because he's the party. Like when, when Joey Diaz, like, and especially me and him together, because he knows what a fan I am of his. Right. So when I'm in the room with him, he knows how much I love him and he can just be free. He can be wild and he knows that I think he's the funniest guy that's ever lived. So when he's rocking and rolling and I'm in the room and I'm dying laughing, I'm the best audience ever. Right. I, I love him. Yeah, yeah. I just, he's just, he's a, such a unique person. He's yeah. so, he's so unique. I don't know anybody like him. He's so wild and crazy and his stories are so ridiculous. He's just such a crazy person. But, a good person too. He's a really he's, sweet he's, guy. He's genuinely sweet. I he's mean, he calls to guy. check on me. Who calls to check on me? You know, he does he, that he to just, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, will, I assume he does. Yeah. I mean, I assume he wouldn't just be checking no, on he's, me. No, he's amazing. He's amazing. I love him to death. I just, I, he's got this thing. He came from Jersey. He wants to go back to Jersey. That's yeah. good. Let me get that out of your system. Do one winter there. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna fucking be. Uh, I'm gonna take a picture on a canoe. Like on Ladybird Lake, <laughs> kicking back with like a margarita, going, Joey, what are you doing? You digging yourself out of your fucking driveway? Come to Texas. Come to Texas, Joey. We got a club. Uh, the mo I can't do anything until I open up the club. And when, once I open up the club, then I'm gonna start. Then I'm gonna start calling people. But Tim Dillon, he's gonna come out here. Hinchcliffe wants to move out here. Red Band wants to move out here. Yep. We're gonna get a bunch of them out here. And once we have a club, then I mean, it's we'll put up the bat signal. And I'm just gonna my my goal for a club is not to make any money. My goal is to break even and have everybody paid well, and just 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 like let's establish a community and let's do a thing in in Austin like we were doing in L.A. where we're basically just working on the art and and having an awesome place where people can come to see great comics fuck around and work on material and because of the podcasts and because of us talking about it on the podcast i think they understood what the store was for they understood I that think it, so too. it was our hub right it was our 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 home and that we all we come like with a guy like you and a guy like me and you like we don't necessarily work together you know, you work at your places, and then I work at my places, and the only time we get together is at a club where we're working on material. Because right. you're headlining in these big fucking places, and I'm going off at these other places, and we need a place where that's like a hub, like a home base. And that's what the store was for us. But I think this that's created because of comics. You know, that's the reason... When I played the store, or, or the factory, or the improv, when I played all of them... Uh, or the or Pasadena uh, Ice House, I would never ever let anybody come with me. Not whatever woman I was with, not any friends that I had. I would not let anybody go with me to those shows because I didn't want to worry about them. I wanted to go there and be a part of the comedy community, yeah. and uh, not to be bothered by anything else. Let this be my time to recharge, relax. Talk to people who have chosen the same exact path I've chosen in life, and those are rare, but they're gathered, yeah, right. And we have access to them, and uh, that's why I live so close to there. You know, I lived a, a mile and, uh, and a half, I guess. From if from I didn't the have store. kids, I'd live right next door to that place, right? Well, you you, you could have had another room, you know. Yeah. You could, uh, so <laughs> the uh, 
so that and that's what was so precious in drawing you know to me about it is that i got to go talk stand-up comedy tell jokes laugh so hard i couldn't breathe it's and, just be around uh, comics yeah just didn't uh and uh you know i always kept it to myself you know that was always my thing yeah you know the, not, not, not me bringing people to see me or yeah. my manager fuck you dude don't no, no, you come <laughs> see me at a big show when i'm not trying new shit you know yeah yeah i know because if I'm eating it on stage and and I have a friend in the audience, you know, they feel horrible. I don't. You know, it's not me that feels bad. It's them. And I feel bad for them feeling bad. I'm like, sorry, you know, fuck, I knew it wasn't, wasn't going to work. Well, I've had the same manager since I was an open micer. Wow. Yeah, my manager found me in Boston in 1990. Oh God, I want to say 91. Yeah, I was wow. basically just just scratching out a living. Like I would get a few paid gigs, but I was basically a beginner. You know, I'd get paid gigs every now and again, but I wasn't. I Were was you still gonna... shooting pool for money? No, I, I started doing that after I tore my ACL. I hurt my knee, and I, I had to rehab my knee, and I had to get knee surgery. And I was hanging out with my friend John, and we would go to uh, this executive billiards in White Plains, New York, because I'd moved to New York to do stand up. Because I met my manager in Boston, and he flew me out to New York, and or, or, or t brought me out to New York, and I lived there for from then on. And uh, I would go to this pool hall, and I started seeing it was a. I got just stumbled into it, just blind luck. It was a pool hall where there was a lot of gambling, like high stakes game. I saw ten thousand dollar pool games. Wow, how fun! Wild, wild shit. People gambling and bet, bet, betting money and yelling and all the everyone. It was back in the day when you could smoke, so like the whole place is filled with smoke, and it was like. A different kind of deviance that was real similar to the deviance that I had experienced with comics right. and also the deviance that I experienced with fighters. Because I had, you know, I grew up in, in martial arts. I grew up around fighters. And they were a, a different kind of deviant. And then, then I'm around these pool hall deviants. And I realized there's 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 a bunch of different clusters of people that didn't accept the society standards. They're just like, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to do what these people are asking me to do. I want to I want to live in a in a free way. You know, I want to be vagabonds. I met a lot of homeless people that I became friends with. You know, like I had homeless guys would sleep on my couch in my apartment. Like guys who were just pool hustlers. They would come over. They didn't have anywhere to stay. They would sleep underneath the tables at Chelsea Billiards in New York because it was a 24-hour So when your manager found you, what were you doing? I was driving limos. I had uh, I'd quit fighting by then, and I had quit even teaching. So I was teaching at Boston University. I had a, taught an accredited class in Taekwondo at Boston University. And uh, I... Uh, that was that was that was when I won the U.S. Open. I had won a bunch of different like like national and regional Taekwondo tournaments, and I was basically a Taekwondo instructor and fighting. And I was trying to make the Olympic team, but uh, along the way, I started kickboxing, and I realized that Taekwondo had all these fucking holes in it. And then I realized that uh, kickboxing was giving me brain damage because I was sparring a lot, and my, I was getting a lot of headaches. And I was like, I think I might be wrecking my brain. And then I quit doing stand-up, or I quit fighting, rather, and I started doing stand-up. And I took on all these other jobs because I didn't want to short, I didn't want to shortchange my students. So I stopped teaching because I, I just wasn't into it like I was before. I was obsessed with stand-up. So I quit my school. I quit teaching at BU. 
I, uh, and I was driving limos and I was working for a private investigator. I was driving him around. He lost his license in a DUI. Oh, to, no. this, to this day, one of the funniest people I've ever met. Dynamite Dickless Dave Dolan. It was one of the funniest fucking dudes I ever met in my life. <laughs> That's what he called himself. Dickless Dave. He, would call, he would call me up. He'd go, Smoking Joe, it's Dynamite Dickless Dave Dolan. He, he remained my friend till the day he died. He, he, he died uh, a few years back. Of cancer, unfortunately, but he remained my friend to the date. Well, actually, he had he had a bunch of medical issues. He had a stroke. A lot, a lot of shit went bad. But um, great dude. But r- remained friends with him to the day he died. Um, but uh, he was literally one of the funniest people I ever met that never never did stand up. And what's funny is his cousin was Bill Downs, who was one of the owners of the Comedy Connection. And so, just randomly, I, right. I, I fucking took, I uh, answered an ad. You know, we're talking about 1988. Wow. I answered an ad in uh, the newspaper. Someone was looking for an assistant for a private investigator. And I was like, "Woo, that's a good job. I'm going to be an assistant to a private investigator. That sounds exciting. But really, he needed a, a driver because he lost his license on a DUI. <laughs> so, I was uh, driving Dy- Dynamite Dickless Dave Dolan around, and uh, we would catch people. Mostly, it was mostly insurance scams. Mostly people that were, uh, you know, like they were getting disability insurance and they were still working on the side. We catch them doing that. But occasionally, it was like some guy wanted. There was one, one guy that Dave was falling around. <laughs> one guy who's uh, his. He had this wife that just kept fucking this bodybuilder, and uh, he would. Dave would get pictures of this guy plowing this girl. And the guy was like, okay, well, keep following her. He's like, hey, you sick fuck. He goes, I gave you the pictures. He goes, I'm, I'm not fucking. He goes, this guy wants pictures. He wants the pictures. He's asking me to keep following. I got pictures of this guy fucking your wife. We're done. We're done, buddy. <laughs> you had to meet the guy. I mean, he was such a Boston, like an Irish Boston character. And he was... Uh, I mean, he's a private investigator. Never wanted to do anything else. He loved it. Loved it. Loved catching people. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a guy at my golf club in Atlanta that was a private investigator, and and our uh, our assistant pro ended up going to work for him. Uh, uh, this uh, we had these two two uh, two really big guys, both named uh, was it Jason? They were the two Jasons, and uh, one of them ended up being Colt Ford. Uh, you know who that is. Colt Ford. Yeah. It sounds like a character in a Tom Selleck movie. I know. It's uh, he was a country rapper, <laughs> and uh, and when he, he I, I'm, 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 he's teaching me how to hit. There he is. This right Colt Ford. That's Colt Ford, right? <laughs> yeah. Look at him. And he, he looks he like Ali me, Joe Prater. Yeah, he told me we're hitting balls, and uh, he he had a PGA Tour card for eight years. He, he's an amazing golfer. Really? Yep. Damn, and uh, he uh, he t- and his show is fantastic, and people love it. He's got an affliction shirt on, uh, right? There's a few pictures of me out there with those. On. Uh, yeah, you. It's very <laughs> back unfortunate. In the, back in the day, but uh, but I'm hitting balls. He's you know, working on my game, and he goes, "I'm really a rapper." And I was like, "Can I get a check, please?" <laughs> one of those other. I, I have a lot of. Can I get a check, please? Moments <laughs> in my life. Uh, and never really spoke to him again on a serious level. <laughs> but he, I was going to do the Tonight Show, and uh, <clears throat> and I knew that. Uh, oh uh, God, damn, I can't believe his, I can't think of his name. My, my brain's been just skipping so bad today. Um, but anyway, the, 
Who was it that was on that show? Uh, one of the biggest rappers. Uh, Kid Rock? No, 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 no. Nas. No. Black guy, been around forever. Run Corn DMC. Rose, Corn Rose. Old Dirty Bastard. No, fuck. Corn yeah. Rose. Been around. Jamie? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking. Hold on a second. You follow no, Black right. Twitter? Well, I'm trying Help to find. Out. I could, uh, I could, no, more famous than you can even imagine. Lil I can't Wayne, remember. Like that. No, even more say, famous. I could uh, than find that. the day you're on. I don't know. More and, famous than Lil Wayne? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick Snoop Lamar? Dog. Snoop Dogg. Snoop oh. Dogg, right. Jesus Christ, you couldn't remember Snoop Dogg? <laughs> fuck, I know. <laughs> Holy you fuck. You know what? Uh, uh, I thought it was like someone obscure. No, no, no. I told you it wasn't. I said famous. More famous than you can imagine. Snoop Dogg. Well, that's about as famous as you can imagine. So uh, he, he gave me a CD and he said, could you just give this to Snoop Dogg? And I was like, no. Because <laughs> I put it in my pocket. And I didn't, of course. And... Uh, but if my wife did. at the time, uh, it was she was a four point seven million uh, wife, uh, <laughs> said it's really good. Yeah, she listened to it. I never did, and I'm like, and the next time I see him, he's on the cover of Polestar magazine. Whoa! And I'm like, really? And uh, so he would tour with these big country acts because he could teach them how to play golf. And the crowds loved his fucking country rap. And then a lot of these guys started implementing that in their songs, and it was all because of him. Oh. Uh, and uh, and then he wrote some huge hits for other artists that had a rap country background to him. Well, he he created it, and uh, ended up making a lot of money. And uh, but he was the the uh, pro. Why was I telling you the story to begin with? Um. I don't remember. Rapper. Rapper. Um, golf. No, no, we had passed there's golf. No, there's no way you could figure it out if I can't yeah, figure it out because I was back. the one going there. Dynamite Dickless Dave Dolan. No. Yeah, um, right. Uh, private investigator. Private investigator. Right. So, But it was the other Jason. Oh. It was the private investigator. There were okay. just two. So, okay. But one of them ended up being a really, you know, really good-sized country act that made a lot of money in publishing. And that was him, and he was my assistant pro. He still plays in all the uh, Pebble Beach, AT&T stuff with, uh, with Larry the Cable. That's pretty wild. Someone would be that good. Yeah, no, he, and he was, apparently. I didn't give it a chance, you know, and even to this day, I've never really. Golf's one of those games where you can be, like, ranked number 20th and be a multi, multi-millionaire. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. How yeah, much money you make. Just balling out of control. Yeah. Most people don't even know who you are. Yeah, the Eastlake's going on today. So the big uh, the, the guy that wins this week, that the the prize purse is $15 million. Where's that at? Eastlake in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay, That's, I don't know. Yeah, You're saying right? it like I know. <laughs> well, I'm saying it East like Lake. I'm just telling you. You know, yeah, Eastlake. Yeah, Eastlake. Well, you know, okay, well, I... Uh, Okay, I'll give you that. You don't know. You don't know. I, I, agree. I don't know anything. I get, I'm a I professional sports commentator. That's one of my right. side gigs, and I don't even know the rules to most sports. Yeah, that you know, that's the weird thing is that uh, people don't. People just think of you as famous. I mean, my son was a huge Fear Factor fan the first, and you came back and did Fear Factor. He was, we were just talking about it, and and. Uh, but a lot of people don't know you do the other thing, right? That, oh, the guy from MA. Oh, the guy. But most people. I would venture to say, don't know you do stand up more than they know you do other things. I just know, do of so course many you're more famous for the, the, yeah, right. it's the hard podcast to, is probably the to, most famous thing I'm for oh, now. Of course, of course. Now, because it's gotten to this weird place. But yeah, 
It's uh, I do a lot of shit. But I tell people they're like, "Is he is he good?" And like Rogan, and as a comic, because I only see you as a comic. I don't see you as the voice of MA. I don't see you as anything but a comedian. Uh, you know, because that's what I watch you do. You know, I'll, I'll watch a fight. You know, and I love it. If you're comedy, if you're not, it's not that interesting. And we were talking about that earlier. You know, if if Rogan doesn't say it, it's not worth saying. You know, didn't he get heard? In MAA, you know. MAA. <laughs> mixed martial MMA. I don't know. It's I, I know what you're saying. I'm telling you, I just don't yeah. know that much about it. Like you don't know much about golf. I don't know anything about golf. But all I know about Joe, the comic I watch go on stage at the at the store and just rip the gut out of these crowds. And it's so much fun to watch that I don't really think about the rest of it. Like I said, when the first time I did your podcast, I had no idea. Well, I I like doing a lot of different things. I don't think I'd be the same person if I did. I, I think I have a unique mental illness that I, I need to be constantly stimulated with different challenging things. And if I'm not, yeah. I, 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 then I make problems for myself. You know, then addictions and weirdness. And I, I'm, I'm the person that needs to, I need to have challenges all the time. I need to have puzzles. I need to have things to solve. I need to have stuff to do. Yeah, That's my unique mental illness. Like, so when someone says, like, why do you do so many things? I'm like, because I like being happy. I like being sane. Like, if I, if I don't, I just figured it out over time in my life that if I don't have things that challenge me, like, if I don't get up early and work out, if I don't do something that's hard to do, I'm not the guy. I can't sit around. Yeah, no, see, none of that shit bothers me. <laughs> I, can, I can wake up with nothing to do every day. Oh, That's why I've settled into this retirement. I got to tell you, I've not hated the last six months of my life no. when I had nothing to do at all. Not even thinking. This is the first thing I had scheduled to do in a half a year. And I, and I was a little resentful of it this morning. It was raining. I'm like, I got to go do something. You know, I got to go do something. That's the first time I made a commitment. So if I tell you I'll do it, of course I'll do it. Right. I'll get there early. Uh, a days we're early. here uh, yeah <laughs> days early and uh All week. but uh but but outside of that i've enjoyed this time off but i'm also older you know i'm, I'm older and i've you know uh, uh you know i'm i'm at a retiring age you know that uh, that i've kind of settled into it going this is not that bad my wife taught me how to go on vacations i wasn't good at it yeah i needed how to, i needed to learn how to just accept the fact that i was just not going to do anything and just have fun and be on the beach and just drink yeah. and just relax and just swim and do whatever the fuck you do at, on beaches. Well, I, I, but I've gotten good at it apparently now. Apparently, I'm better at it than you. you know, the, <laughs> well, let's I'm go better at beach. it now. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a beginner. Yeah, I used to think I, of it I, as like I, I see time. some pictures of you and McGraw out in, uh, out yeah. in uh, Cabo with no shirts on going, yes. what the fuck's going on here? Yes. You know, Having fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I learned I learned how to relax. You get, sometimes you you think you. I used to think that if I took time off, I was losing progress. This is how psycho I am. Yeah, I'm like I'm losing. I'm losing. I'm gonna get. Yeah. I'm gonna get out of shape. My my martial arts is gonna slip. My comedy's gonna slip. I'm um all the, I'm, I'm not gonna be doing podcasts. That's gonna slip. That I had this sickness that way. Then I realized. That as a healthy per, the happier and the healthier I am as a person, the better I am at all those other things. So the more time I'm hanging out and just having fun, if I can do that and just recharge, then when I come back, I'm better. 
So every time I've come back from a vacation, I've been more enthusiastic. When I'm more enthusiastic, I'm always better at, at everything I do because there's more there's more positive energy, more appreciation, you know? Right. That's, that's how I look at it. So I, I haven't I haven't hated this time off. I don't like what's going on with the country. I hate what's going on with the country. I, I wish I missed the days when people could just disagree. Yeah. I Isn't miss that the truth? Days. Isn't that the truth? I miss Where we can days. all go privately into a voting booth, vote for who we vote for. And the next day we wake up and see who's president. You yeah, know, and, exactly. and no fight was necessary. Exactly. We all did what we were put here to do, which was to to, to go vote. And and uh, after that, you just accept it and, and go on. Change what you can if you can. If, if you can't, just fucking go on with it. I, I haven't hated it either. Uh, but also, like you, I'm probably a little further along in life that, uh, that I'm like, you know, I don't really feel like i did so much of it maybe yeah. that was enough maybe it was well you but if you're gonna build a fucking ranch and i get the two acres and a, and a mule and I'll a motherfucking four, four acres and a mule because i was two on mules. the all right two mules four acres <laughs> you heard it write it down yes. everybody write it down four acres Listen, two mules. whatever you want whatever you want we'll make it happen i want a plow with a seat on it that's what i want i want a plow with a seat that's what i want the idea is just to do something crazy and have fun and i've already done that by moving out here and they're just packing up that was a bizarre move dude <laughs> that was a bizarre move i you know I, it's uh i it, like bizarre moves right don't don't let uh don't let joe think you can't still surprise you you know I, I like doing things you're not supposed to do i like doing like i like doing things like this like yeah. just fucking pack up the whole thing and doing it right when we're moving to Spotify, right? So it's this right. big crazy deal, and then there's all this controversy looks behind like that. A, looks like a tax dodge, and a, you know, there's a little bit of that for sure. I don't, I definitely don't like paying that much in taxes. I, I can't, uh, I can't tell you how surprised and thrilled I was to hear you were going to move to Austin and and, uh, and be my neighbor because I'm, I'm out of uh, I'm out of LA I'm selling the house and yeah. uh, and uh, Beverly Hills and and I'm like oh good this is going to work out fine we're going to have fun out here man we can have a lot of fun out here I yeah. really think so I and like I, really I like think... your vision of the of the Austin comedy scene to come and you know what there's also a lot of really good stand up comics in Austin for sure always have been and uh, they they flourish at mm -hmm. these open mic nights and uh, I know that they're listening to this conversation right now going I want to help them I want to I want to get my five years in to get my acres in. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just I really do I want to help yeah, them I want to help right? them the way I've I've tried to help uh, a lot of up and coming comics in L A and get them on the podcast promote them and the the idea is if we open up a club when we open up a club i should say is to have these local guys come in pump them up let let people know let people right. know there's a real scene oh, here there you know. and yeah and 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 help them and help them help them flourish and help comic not just austin comics but everywhere you know bring them into this place and have this be a hub the only reason why la is a hub is because of a the comedy store and b hollywood and I came to Hollywood because I had a, a TV deal, but really what I wanted was to be at the store. That was Mecca to me. It when is. I had heard about it when I was in Boston, but when I came to the comedy store in 94, it was a shithole. I mean, they were, the comics were terrible. So right. every now and then Martin Lawrence would show up or Damon Wayans or Dom Herrera or Dice Clay, but for the most part, it was a lot of boat acts. It was a disaster. There was a lot of people that would just have old terrible jokes and it was just right. i was like this is the store it was very disappointing but 
the the place itself drew people. It drew people there. You knew that that was the place where the real comics went, and they they made a career out of it. But the, the, the this world is different now. Like for a comic, if you get a television show, it's actually like, oh, you poor bastard. Like you, right. you, you could have had a podcast. Like yeah. you could have been okay. You could have been your yeah, own boss. Yeah, right. You could have. I mean, and now a lot of comics are realizing they don't even want ads anymore. They just want to do Patreon. They want to just have have podcasts uh, and and put them out either for free and have uh, you know get YouTube ads or there's a lot of people trying to figure out what's the best way to be free. But for sure, the best way to be free is not to be connected to the Hollywood machine because the Hollywood machine is all woke now and it's completely ridiculous and everyone's full of shit. And you, we're not actors, man. We're different things. Right. You know, it's cats and dogs living together. We're fucking different things. You know, we can act. We can do it. We both have. Yep. But the reality is you're a comic. I'm a stand-up comedian. Right? Yes, and, and I am as well. And there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us. And we don't need that machine. What we no. need is a machine that we create ourselves. And we I did agree. that a lot. One of the reasons why the store worked so well over the last few years is because it was fueled by podcasts. Yep, fueled by podcasts. And Absolutely. fueled by everybody. Like, I would tell people, hey, you got to see this kid, Frank Castillo. He's hilarious. Tony Hinchcliffe, this guy's coming up. Joey Diaz, the funniest guy ever. Ron White's the baddest motherfucker that ever lived. All these people. And we would all talk about these people and tell these crazy stories. And then everybody would remember. And then they would come. Yeah. We were, they, were, they had international tourism to the comedy store. People were fry, flying in from Ireland in Australia. And they should have been. And they should have been. Right, because that's how good those shows yeah. were. They would come in on a Tuesday and see one of the craziest lineups you've ever seen in your yeah. fucking life. Yeah, when I was in one, and you've got a million of these stories, and it was it was you and Louis C.K. and Bill Burr and... Uh, Madness. Yeah, and, 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 and me and... Uh, it, it was just crazy. Joey this Diaz, line, yeah. Joey, Joey, Joey Diaz, madness, just fucking yeah. crazy. Madness in one show one for show. fourteen fucking dollars. <laughs> That's madness. Do you know how much it would cost yes. to put on that show That's out insane. at the ranch? Nothing, zero. Yeah, <laughs> we have, <laughs> we're doing it for charity at the ranch. Charity. I, I, I that's the the idea is to do something at the ranch where you build a theater where the, the concerts for charity and then have a club in town. Yeah. Oh, a, lot of these a satellite on, club. A lot of these places on 6th Street are going to go under, unfortunately. Unfortunately. There's a lot of places that are going to go under because no one can work. You know, and I, I, right. I would love it if they all stayed open, but some of them are not going to be able to, and so we'll scoop one of those there's, up. Uh, yeah, there's going to be... Uh, opportunities for you to put something in this town that'll matter and, yeah. I, and let me make a promise to you my brother i'll be there to support it you know Woo! even if i don't tour anymore i'll i'll, I'll come do the club isn't this exciting talking about it, this? it really you know fuck it is fuck it's exciting, it is, right yeah. yes that's why i'm here i right. i like exciting things all the things I'm interested in are exciting. I like bow hunting. I like stand-up comedy. I like fighting. All these things are exciting things. Right. I like exciting things. And I think I can do something here that's exciting. I like smoking pot and watching like cartoons too. and doing stand-up. I like smoking pot and, and freaking uh, out. That's what I like, to. I like getting nervous. I do. My, one of my favorite things about smoking pot is being paranoid. Yeah. People, the <clears> thing <throat> that people get terrified of and they run away from, it's one of my favorite parts of being high. I was uh, I was nervous about coming and doing this uh, show today. Really? Yeah. Why? I, I, I was telling my son, I, I said, I don't know. I haven't felt nervous. I, I can walk on stage at the Radio City Music Hall. Don't feel, you know, it doesn't flutter my button. It's what I do, and I'm ready to do it, prepared to do it. And I haven't even thought about interacting with anybody for a half a fucking year you know and uh so you know it's your new place and you're in town and 
But uh, he goes, Daddy's your friend. He'll pull you right on through to the other side, which, of course, you know. You we did. We already, yeah. we already threw the other side. It's already 315. We're, we're beautiful. It's beautiful. Perfect. It's wonderful. We're COVID tested. You're oh, clean as Lord. fuck. Yeah, Woo! you know what? The, the funny thing is that I took the uh, antibody test and then the nose swab. And uh, so the antibody test said, you've never had it. But you might have it. So I had to do the nose swab. So I went over two days. But the nose swab, the thing about the antibody test is there's two indicators. One of them is whether or not your body is currently fighting the virus. Right. So there's one is whether or not you beat the virus and one whether you're currently fighting the virus. So you know you're not currently fighting the virus. I feel good. So according to the doctors, a very low possibility that you have it. And then we, we eliminate that with the swab. Right. Yeah. But not before you and I hug. I don't give a fuck. Right. Dude. I take vitamin D. I'll give you <laughs> right, a hug. You right. can be coughing. I'll give you a hug. I, right. I'm I've, been, I've been coughing a little bit. but uh, I'll just quarantine myself for a couple of weeks and eat vitamin D gummies. Right. All right. Just tell me which vitamin D you want me to take. I, I just want you to take 5,000 IUs a day minimum. That's what you should be taking. It's okay. not that much. And when, when you eat, the, I have these vitamin D gummies that I chew all the time. There's like, I think you take three of them, it's 5,000 IUs. It's not a big deal. They're small gummies. They taste good. It's easy to do. Is there any yeah. carbs in them? Because I'm watching my carbs. Ah, there's probably like one gram of carbs. No, they're probably gelatin. Now that I'm thinking right, about that's, it. That's horse hoof, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically fingernails. Right. And hair. Yeah. It's good for you. Protein. Collagen. Yeah. Not bad for you. So I'm in a good relationship. I really like. Uh, I know you tell me. Yeah, we'll go out to eat That's one exciting. day next week. Yeah, it is. That's it exciting. Because really you're always in these train wrecks. Right. And you, you know you. Yeah, you're she's always... she's really uh, <laughs> really really uh, pretty. She's my age and uh, and. Uh, I think that's important. Yeah, I've all, I've never chased young women. It's right. Too much. Work. You know that. that it's too much work. The uh, but uh, she's a. Uh, she, she she came down. We started hanging out in the COVID thing, but we'd seen each other before. And and uh, and uh, one night we go out to Eddie V's and we have this really nice table. And she's, Eddie V's she, is great. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love that's Eddie a great V's. old school place. Yeah, right. So we have this really cool table in the bar. It seats two people. It's really cool. I'll, I'll show you the seat. You'll take your wife there on her on a big night. So uh, and she's got a long black dress. I'm wearing a jacket, and you know, we go back to the my. Uh, condo, uh, which is a really nice penthouse with these gorgeous views, and, and uh, she, her son, and was a grappler, and her and his her grandson is a grappler, and she was a gymnast, and uh, she said for whatever reason she wanted to fight. I think I can take you down. Oh no! And of course, that's how you break a hip. I I laughed so hard. <laughs> That I couldn't, she probably could have taken me down because <laughs> she's five foot one and she's a gymnast, right? She's right. little bitty. And I said, no, I could pick, I, I would never ever hurt you for any reason. So if you want to come beat me up, come beat me up. But if I didn't care about hurting you, I could throw you into that table because you're little and I'm big, right? Right. Then she attacked me. <laughs> And she did. She came at me, shoved me back. And, and I mean, she, a gymnast that does uneven parallel bars. Strong. Like a chimp. Like, like a, a chimp. fucking chimp like monkey. A chimp. She was on me in my center, <laughs> legs spread, fucking pushing me back. Wow. And I, and I was like, from now on, I'm only going to fuck women I could kill. 
that's all I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to say, let's let's determine whether or not I could. I'm never going to do it right. Take I would never a hurt nice a woman, much less anything. But I would like to. Right. I understand. Have the option if they went nuts and just jumped my ass. Right. To be able to fucking beat it off and, you know, live, you know, and provide and all those things that a man needs to do. I got a buddy of mine who got obsessed with jiu-jitsu when he dated a girl who was a black belt. And she, they, they sparred and she tapped him easily. And he was like, what the fuck? So he became obsessed with it because his girlfriend fucked him up. Right. And he, <laughs> right. Defending himself, right? Yes. Well, jiu-jitsu is one of the rare martial arts where a woman really can kill you. Like one hundred percent legit. Like if you you grapple. You know what? It's the same reason I don't have a pet lion. <laughs> That's I just don't need it in my house. I understand. Right? I, I don't need it. it in my house. Yeah, I get it. Don't it's take dangerous. it the wrong way, ladies. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. All those killer ladies out I, there are like fuck. Right. What? What's wrong with me? I thought I had them. Tell you. No. No. Planning on cornering them. Right. But I mean, I know that you can still Sharon Bobbit my ass, right? You can still wait till I fall asleep. And I'm Lorena. Bobbit, right. Lorena Bobbit. Yeah. Was it Lorena? Lorena Bobbit. Yeah. John Bobbit and Lorena Bobbit. She oh. cut off his dick. Yeah. Cut his dick off while yeah. he was sleeping. And then he stitched it back on and did porn. Right. Like, how good was that sewing job? Not good. It wasn't like about how good I would sew it up. Yeah, oh, really? It didn't look good? I didn't see it. You, <laughs> it like you know what? You guys go down the rabbit hole. Oh, you yeah. look at the video. I don't do any of that stuff. I, I watch porn on my fucking uh, iPad. That's all I do. I don't this go any deeper than that. pre-Viagra porn, too. So you know, because It didn't it, look that good to begin with. No, and it never really got hard. It was yeah, just oh, it, a mess. Right. She sliced it off and threw it on the side of the road, and they had to wait a while before they found it. And then they... <laughs> They had to dust dark, the dirt off dark, of it. Darkness. And, uh, darkness. Right. Yeah. I just don't need that in my life. I don't know? need it in my life either. Right. But I've, I've had it in my life. I've seen a lot of things I shouldn't have seen. But I, if someone sends me a link, I'm like, all right. You're going in. Let's see. That's Let's what, see what's up. Oh, somebody was over the house. Uh, no, it wasn't. I was at the radio st station in New York. And the guy's showing me. A, he got a video of a guy fucking a snake. Mm -hmm. And oh. I'm like, <laughs> Okay. Oh my God. All right. Can I get a check, please? Fucking a snake's mouth. That's going to be the name of my next like the album. Mouth? No. Or the no, the check. The snake pussy. He's got a big anaconda. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. I even said it. I'm sorry. I said it. I said, <laughs> he's he's fucking he's a snake. Can you first. can you pull that up? I can. I can. I'm All right. sure I could. I'm he's just not saying. The well, first. Don't, let's not show it. I but let me just to. just yeah. show you. I guarantee you there's many people before him that have done the people same thing. People just go down the Q-hole rat hole, you know. Mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, and if you can name it, there's a guy who's fucked it. Oh, yeah. Blenders. Guys have fucked blenders. <laughs> yeah, guys no, have right. tables, chairs. That, right, that's why I hate bowling those. Bowling balls. Anyway, that doesn't matter. I don't, yeah. I'm not going to go there. I get it. The, but that's uh, the problem with the internet is you find out. You mean everybody knows someone who's a fucking moron, but you don't realize how many of them there are until you really go online and start searching. You know, I I was sitting in, uh, I was having this place worked on, or I, for some reason I was staying down at the Van Zandt, had some people come up, comics that I've known for years, and one of them starts telling me a story about Hillary Clinton and her pedophile ring. And I'm like, what? And this was probably three years ago. And uh, and how the pedophiles, the, the far left, uh, right, left wing, and the, they, they're, it's a pedophile thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was early QAnon stuff. 
it was those same conspiracy theories that are coming out now. I was hearing those three years ago, and yeah. I thought it was just one person's. I mean, where did you go to learn this behavior? You know, we every, all behaviors learned, right? For sure, we're all a product of our environment. I'm like, what environment did you put yourself in that made you think that this is true? When you know, the other day there were four of us playing golf. And all four phones hit an amber alert at the same second. Yeah. And and everybody knew exactly what it is. We picked it up and I'm like, there's a missing kid somewhere. And that's a beautiful fucking thing, right? Yeah. And uh, but but now there's these pedophile rings and Tom Hanks is a what? The fuck? I don't think the Tom Hanks thing's true. I think there's a lot of people that are just really dumb, and they get involved in conspiracy theories, and they believe everything, and then there's a lot of people out there that are sowing misinformation, and there's a bunch of Russian trolls and bot accounts and a lot of chaos and sowing seeds of doubt in our democracy and life in general and trying to tell you that all the elites are fucking lizard people that are running things behind closed doors with Satan. But for sure, there's guys out there that have fucked a lot of young girls. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's what that Epstein shit's all about. And that's what's so spooky about it was that it's prominent politicians and scientists and celebrities, and they all flew out to fuck Island, and it's real. Right. And then when the guy's in custody with fucking security cameras and the whole deal, he, he hangs himself in a way that's physically impossible. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's like, well... Uh, no more need know. for further investigation. It's un unnecessary. If there was anybody else involved in any other thing and they died in that way, we would look deeply into it. But they've basically just uh, just tried to let it go, pass in the news cycle yeah, to the, the point where no one's thinking about it anymore. Well, you know, the, the, the interview that uh, Prince, uh, Andrew, right, uh, yeah. was there. Did you see that interview when they were yeah. interviewing him? And the reason he thought he could pull that off is because for years he's been royalty, right? So everybody around him were just yes men. So he's got footmen and whatever. And they're exactly. all going, oh, exactly right, sir. Oh, oh, no, I can't believe someone would make these kind of accusations against you. Oh, that seems like Thank perfectly you. normal behavior exactly. to me. How are you? <laughs> but turns out the news people weren't those people at all. Right. And how do you not see that coming, you idiot motherfucker? Because <laughs> he's an idiot motherfucker. Right. The only reason why he's in that position at all is because one of his uncles fucked <coughs> one of his aunts. and then uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And, and then there you are. You mean right. it's a bloodline thing. It's not like an earned position because you've really worked really hard to get there. You don't become a prince because you've kicked ass. You, you're right. You kicked prince ass <laughs> and uh, for years. Yeah. And... Maybe you didn't even get a PhD in princedom. No, you, you just became you, a prince. You, for your whole life, man. No, yeah. sir. Oh, absolutely, sir. How about that Prince uh, Harry and Meghan Markle? Isn't that crazy? Like, it's crazy that it's kingdom. on the news feed every fucking day. It's important. Everything they do. It's important. It's important to everyone. They left the castle. Oh, we had to go. Why did they do it? I can Are they crazy? You know what? I can tell you why they, they did it. They left the kingdom. <laughs> they, 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 because there's no way you could bring an outsider into that world. And have them do anything. Oh, they signed a megawatt Netflix deal. I bet they Netflix. did. What are you doing? Huh? What are you doing? Haven't you learned Netflix? You've made some big boo-boos. Stop it. Netflix, if you, you think about making decisions like this, call me up first. Me? No. I'm talking to Netflix. Oh. I'm gonna, I'll get them high, and I'll pull them aside and go, listen, this is not going to work. You're going to spend a lot of money. Right. No one it's gives not a fuck. Work. Buy another is, Ron White special. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. What, th what these people are is like this, they're good for snippets. 
in the news. They're good for you. Look in the Google News feed. Like, what are they doing? Oh, they're extra, they're extradited from the kingdom. Yeah. No one cares about them anymore. I think you're one hundred percent wrong. <gasps> I think that they people will watch this crap. No matter how bad it is, if it's connected to this guy and this woman, people will watch it and they will continue to fucking go, oh my God, look at the Kardashians. Mm. You know, you, you, they're not a talent one in any of those people. Wait a minute. Did you watch her sex tape? Huh? You're talking all this shit. Did you watch her sex tape? No. Well, you should have. Then you wouldn't be saying she doesn't have any talent. Really? Was it good? It's very good. Oh, was it? Yeah. Enthusiastic. I watched that Paris Hilton lame little. I think what's I think that family, all bullshit aside, no jokes, is the mother is very skillful in the way she's managed them. That's what it is. Well, something's genius about it because yeah. nothing works better than this. You know, I was doing a show at the Improv or at the Mirage, and they had that little Kardashian T-shirt shop. Yeah, right there. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. One of the ones you haven't even heard of was going to be there, and there was a line 300 yards long to get into this what's now a soap shop. And I, I walked by that. That's where I work. I'm there 10 weekends a year, more than anybody. And that's my place. And I stay in a villa right back there. And I and one day I walk in there. I'm just looking around the Kardashian. I want to see what they got. They got towels with Kim's likeness and stuff on it. And they, they said, sir, you can't come in here with the beverage. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to spill a Coke on your towel? Okay. I think you could probably. But anyway, they made me leave. and uh, <laughs> They fucking made me leave. They made me leave. And quite frankly. Well, it's they've I, figured out a way to keep people interested and keep people talking about them. And it's, yeah. It's, I the, just the got mother, through doing it. That's genius. how good they are. I just got through doing it. Yeah, we're helping them. And then the mother. Mm -hmm. to, but but here's the thing about Kim. She's done some legitimate, amazing work in getting people out of jail that were wrongly accused. Yes, and that's why know, I don't, I don't make that, fun of her anymore, except okay. that thing I said about her sex tape. But other than that. I thought you were saying something really nice about her sex tape. You yeah. weren't dissing it. Thank you. You were saying this. I felt like that, she too. She can but go at it. Thank you very much. But she's really done a lot of, like, legitimate good to help people get released from prison that were wrongly accused. Well, you know what? The problem that I, I have is sometimes people. I talk about things and I don't know jack shit about them. I just make up a funny thing to say Me too. in my head. And then later I end up going, well, fuck, really? I didn't know she did that. Me too. But I did. I, I saw the woman that she helped get out of uh, uh, prison, and I thought that was a yeah. Um, we've had a couple guys from the Innocence Project on here. I love um, the Innocence Project. I love that yeah. series. No, it's uh, it's amazing. And she's... what a douchebag that guy that was doing the tooth mite fucking. Uh, what is that guy? It's on. It was on that. He was convicting people from tooth. Oh, tooth bites. Imprint. Yeah, doesn't work. But there wasn't a bottom imprint, and there he was sending him to prison and let the other guy that was killing kids go free. Yeah, did you see that? It's uh, it was a good one. Well, Josh Dubin, who's one of the guys who's been on this podcast before, he has a uh, podcast called Junk Science. Um, it's uh, about the Innocence Project, about wrongly convicted people mm. because of junk science, about like bite marks. And stuff that like that. There it is. Wrongful conviction, junk science, bite mark there evidence. And this is uh, this is Josh Dubin, who's been on the podcast before. That guy made me cry like a baby, telling me some stories about people getting out of jail that were wrong. I wasn't convicted. trying to make you cry, but I could have. You know, but I just chose not to. Okay, I, I got. I took. I'm taking it a different direction. Why are you threatening me? I'm not threatening you, Joe. I'm just saying that if I wanted to make you cry right here in public, 
like you were crying that night at the improv and I was uh, wiping your tears on my do-rag. Tell me about when Austin. Am I, where am I going to go? I'm going to come with I me. I don't know if I can live in Texas, but I have to move everything. Yeah, I'd have to move, but it's too hard. I'll, I'll be there. I was all I'll in, dude. I'll be there. I was all in. I was so fucking thrilled. I'm like, I was, you heard the news coming out of my fucking voice the day I found out that uh, Joe was coming to town. And I'm like, and and then I write, you know what? I knew Jay was coming, but I didn't know. He, I don't know if he's really coming because nobody. I talked the, him into it. No. Somebody, Come on, nobody's selling their property over there. They're just getting a place over here. Well, he'll sell his property there eventually. I'm like, come on, man. What you about you? Are you gonna sell the place? I'll sell my place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm staying here. I like it a lot. I felt I felt real comfortable real quick, real quick. I'm only been here a little over a week. Right. I fucking love right, it. Right, right. You're brand new. You're new and meat. Look, I already got a studio. I'm all set up. You got a badass studio, yeah. dude. I got jet skis. I think you could have built it in an airstream, <laughs> you know, and saved could've, the money. Could have, yeah, right? Right. But it's it um, moved it around. You know. I feel like um, this is a better spot for me. And again, it's like practicing what I preach. I don't think we need to be connected to that machine out there, that Hollywood machine. That's well, we know you don't. Nobody does, right? Because they don't. it's a bandwidth, right? It's yeah. uh, same thing. You could do it from anywhere. It's that and, uh, you could do it from anywhere, but it's also what really serves the comics. What really serves the comics is the podcast industry. Yeah. The podcast industry goes where the podcasters go. Right. So let's bring them all here. Yeah, you always have the ability to move my number. You know, by saying something on the internet, which you are always willing to do, and and uh, you can see it, and you have people coming up. Yeah, I heard it on the road. Yeah, I'm like good. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Sometimes you're just lucky, right? I'm lucky you're my friend. A lot of guys that were friends of Letterman got to do Letterman all the time because they were his friend, right? right. Whether they yeah. were that good or not, they they got to do it over and over and over and over and over. You know, I've watched a few of your podcasts. Everybody was more interesting than me. You know, I used to be a comic. Um, you I keep was, saying that. I, I used to be a comic, too. That's horseshit. You're a comic. You're Ron fucking White, man. Don't ever say that. You need to stop saying that. Once I get you up at the club, come on, man. You, you're going to crush. You're going to tell that story about those. That's uh, what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting yeah. for the I'm waiting for the club. Once the soon, club, so, so, so as soon as the club, that they will come. As soon as we get this mayor out of office, just kidding. As soon as we figure out a way <laughs> to open up these clubs, Why don't we have a meeting under the bridge. <laughs> as, uh... Yeah, no, we got a bunker. We don't need to go under the bridge. We just need to get get clubs open. Test as soon as they come up with rapid testing and some more uh, right. tenable right. therapeutics. You're right. Yeah, you're right. We'll be all right. People want to go out, man. They miss it. They miss it bad. I miss it. I miss sitting in a club watching other comics I, almost as much as I miss doing stand-up. I miss it. Everybody, yeah. but the, And people that are just fans, that just have regular jobs that used to love date night, go out to a comedy club, have a great fucking time, right. have a few drinks, laugh their ass off. They miss it. But we're going to add badass barbecue to that Fuck, scene, Fuck, yeah. Right? Pass that lighter. Yeah, me. you got it, man. Yeah, we just got to make weed legal here. God damn it, people. I know it's kind of legal. All we have to do is continue to work in that direction well, because it's the process of evolution, right? I thought I thought that Texas would probably sell uh, medical marijuana before Oklahoma because they're so much more conservative, it seems. Yeah. But now it's flourishing like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and the money they Texas, get out of it, right? That's the big Texas thing. doesn't need the money because of oil, but and uh, just other things, but. But eventually, it's going to make sense to Texas. You know, it'll be laughed upon in 15 years or 10 yeah. years or five years as a prohibition that was so fucking stupid. Like it is in California. Like it is in California. You, you can't yeah. even imagine. I, I remember the day 
that I, I lived in, I moved to Montecito. I'm down at this head shop. I'm going to buy a piece. I just bought this house with a big view of the world. And uh, there was a guy there with a skateboard. He was waiting. It was going to open in 15 minutes. And he goes, are you, are you got your uh, license? You're going to get pick up some herb? And I'm like, what? And then I spent 20 minutes going, what? What? As he explained to me that marijuana was legal in California. I didn't even know it. And he goes, yeah, what you do is you go down. He goes, where's your license? I mean, it's, it's Atlanta. He goes, yeah, that's okay. Just go down there, apply for a license. They'll give you a paper license. Take that to this doctor, and in one hour, you'll be back here. Open that door. There's 15 kind of What? What? Are you fucking what? Are you kidding me? And I walked in there, and he wasn't kidding. It was fucking 15 kinds of gorgeous bud ice cream that made you want potato chips, right? I'm getting fatter for sure. And uh, all the hash, hash, well, all this stuff. And I buy all of it. I spent two grand. And, and <laughs> I, I do. I spent $2,000. And I go back up to the house. I'm there by myself. And I got my new bong. I'm pouring this and this, taking this hit, that hit. Uh, off this, eat some of this fucking ice cream, which they didn't put a real dosage on, you know. But I'm just fucking... <laughs> rawr, 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 rawr. I'm so fucking... This, and then I start feeling weird. <laughs> right, and I go wash my face, and I lay in my bed, and I start going. Montecito's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Oh, the drugs here—it's gonna ruin my life. I should take all that weed and all this stuff, flush it down the toilet. I'm going to fuck it. This is horrible. And then, like an hour later, I'm in there going, "So, what else we got in here? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it all, because that doesn't work." And uh, just gotta get past the rough spots. Right. Yeah. But I always like to get too fucked up and come down a little bit. Right? Me too. And, kind of wander into a buzz that way well when you come down a little bit you feel real thankful you're not as fucked up as you were an hour ago. right uh, yeah I, and I've, i hope an hour from now yeah you know i have those feelings yes <laughs> those good feelings good feelings of survival i think you have to feel like you're gonna die to really appreciate being alive right you know i've i've, I've had some uh, really fucking low spots in my life and uh in, in the touring career when uh li literally I had joint custody of my son when he was two and a half years old. And they were like, okay, here you go. And I'm like, oh, nobody's going with me or nothing. And uh, <laughs> I just have a baby and uh, that's that. And I'm like, okay. And I have a van and I, I plop Marshall down in the, uh, in, the, in the car seat next to me in the van and go, uh, <laughs> okay, here we go. And, uh, and we took off across the fucking country and going to comedy clubs. Literally, I would walk up to waitresses before I went on stage and went, could you just hold him for about 45 minutes? And, really? And uh, he'd wow. be out there being held by a, a waitress and while I'm up on stage doing stand-up comedy. That's crazy. And I'll, t I'll tell you the funniest thing. is he, He's a brilliant young man, and but uh, here's how smart he is. We're at the South County Funny Bone, and... Uh, and uh, he, he goes, uh, Dad, because every once in a while I'd bring him on stage, right? And go, here's my baby. Get that vote, right? It's an easy vote to get. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he goes, Dad, I, I want to come to the club tonight, but I don't, I don't want to go on stage. I just want to hang out in the green room. And I said, this club doesn't have a green room. And he goes, oh, it's a funny bone. <laughs> and, uh, right? And how amazing it is to put that together, that funny bones are shitholes and they don't have fucking green rooms, right? At least the one Columbus doesn't. Right. None of them do. There's not a green room in the fucking bunch. Yeah. Uh, and he realized that at two and a half years old. Two and a half years old. Hilarious. Like, yeah. Oh, it's a funny bone. He's two and a half.
<laughs> oh my god that's funny but that's how he you know that's how he's raised and I, I took him down to mexico when i started making pottery and his mom who lives in you Pasto. lived in mexico for a while right but yeah, this is before blue collar comedy right took right, off, right, right before right before what what brought you to mexico i'm impetuous dude um i would the the funny bone cut my pay by a third because they realized they could and uh and uh and really, they took away a lot of the airfare, so it was really almost half. And and I, I told them to go eat a steaming bowl of fuck. And and uh, my girlfriend at the time was an artist sort of person, and she was doing this mosaic tile application to pottery. And then she would take it to these uh, fairs or whatever and sell it. And she'd sell it all in two hours, but the fair's three days. It took her six months to make it. And so I thought, well, why wouldn't you just go to Mexico and hire a bunch of women to sit around, and she orchestrates it, and they sit around and make this pottery, and then you have a bunch to sell, and that was the whole concept. And so I went down there, and I had um, I, I was living on the Lake LBJ, uh, right up from you, and uh, I sold that house, and and uh, I had the biggest truck rider makes pulling the biggest trailer rider makes, and I had my van that Marshall and I toured in and the biggest trailer that they make behind that. And that was everything I owned. And we went straight down to McAllen, Texas and moved into a trailer. And then we moved, then I found a place in Mexico, in Reynosa, Mexico, where Abraham Answer is, who's a great golfer who I love to follow. And uh, we moved into Mexico, met a woman named Irma Munoz and Irma knew everybody. She was like the matriarch of the entire subdivision there. And, uh, there was a tortilla factory that had been abandoned. I rented it for a hundred dollars a month, and it was a wreck. And uh, had eight inches of cat shit in it. They went in there and cleaned it all up, and we started fucking making pottery. And uh, pottery, pottery. And uh, I remember that two of the, it may have been the two sons of not wasn't here, but one of the employees were little kids, and they were Marshall was five or six, and and they were four and three or whatever, and they were fighting. And Marshall went out on the front porch and went, Alto! <laughs> and because uh, that was a word he knew. And, uh, uh, but uh, they didn't stop. But he still, <laughs> he still knew how to command them to stop. And uh, so we had a glorious life. I spent my evenings fucking sawing tables and building shit. And they were making pottery and I was sweating. How old were you back then? 42 or 3, maybe. You know. Isn't that crazy? So you had toured and you kind of like settled into this idea that I'm just going to be here in Mexico making pottery. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, but but, but Foxworthy and I were had been friends for already. For, you know, I met Foxworthy the first day I did stand-up. So, so he goes, why don't you come with me on the weekends and, and open for me in the big shows, right? So he'd gotten big enough to take somebody with him, and he picked me to pick with him. And uh, so... I would go out and make more money than I'd ever really made before my life opened up for Foxworthy on the weekends. And then I'd fly back from, we'd be on a private jet and then we'd fly back to Atlanta and then I'd get on a plane to Houston and McAllen, Texas, and then drive across and uh, to uh, Mexico. Have I ever told you the tomato story? No. So my mother grows these amazing tomatoes. Um, that were so good. The, the property she lived on, which was in Buda, which is just south of here, was a, a peach tree orchard at one time and a cattle farm at one time. But the soil produced a tomato that you could just eat over the sink like an apple. 
They were so good. And clearly the best I'd ever eaten. And Foxworthy <coughs> was so in love with these tomatoes that he would call because mother would send him a box of tomatoes every year. And he'd say, when are the tomatoes coming? I'm like, gee, <laughs> you're ripening on the vine, okay? You'll get your tomatoes when you get your tomatoes. And uh, I'd been out on a run. I, I picked up a comedy club that wasn't a funny bone and then a couple of Foxworthy days. So I was gone for two weeks and mother sent me the box of tomatoes. And uh, all the money that I'd made, I already owed to the people that worked for me, right? And uh, I didn't owe it to them, but I, it was coming up, right? I, it was gone. I didn't have any money. And uh, so I stopped in McAllen's post office and they bring out a big old soggy fucking box. And I know what it is. I know my mother sent me the tomatoes and they went rotten in the fucking post office while I was out doing stand-up, right? Mm. So I said, ask tomatoes, you know, throw it away. And and so I get in line. I'm exhausted. I've been traveling all day long, literally, all night and all day. We had done a show in Seattle, flew back on a private plane to Atlanta, <laughs> to Houston, and, well, you know, just beat up. And I get over to my house, and uh, the phone rings, and it's my mom. And, and she goes, did you get the tomatoes? And I said, Mother, I've been gone for two weeks, and the tomatoes were rotten. She goes, at least you got the $100. I'm like, oh. I get back in my car, drive back to America, drive to the fucking post office, go back to the dumpster, fucking open the lid, crawl in it, and start rubbing through the fucking rubbish till I found that box, ripped it open, and got that $100. Put it in my pocket and went back fucking home. That's how much I needed $100. Wow. Uh, dig through a dumpster to get it. And uh, I forget where we were at right before that. Um, but you were in Mexico, and that's you were doing pottery, yeah. opening for Jeff Fox. Yeah, and then, and well, basically, then you know the, uh, the blue collar comedy tour came up, you know, the, the, because the kings of comedy were doing such huge numbers, and Foxworthy was like, you know, why don't you, why don't we do another version of that, you know, for a different, you know, uh, marketplace, and and. Uh, he told me the concept of the four of us going out, but I didn't really know what the Kings of Comedy were doing. You know, I wasn't playing golf with them back then. And uh, you were making pottery in Mexico. Right, I was making pottery in Mexico. The <laughs> beautiful it's, stuff. This is pre-internet. Turned out it was heavy and fragile, which is a horrible combination. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really hadn't thought of that. I didn't really think the whole thing through. I was just like, "What about this?" It is crazy though that it all popped for you at forty-two. Well, probably 40, you know, 44, 45, and uh, before that came out, right? We yeah. did it, and, but that was all Jeff's money, right? Yeah. I, they, he paid me great to do it, but it was his thing, right? It would have been nothing without him ever. We couldn't have sold ticket one without Foxworthy in that. And even if it was just ding ball, it, it didn't work at all. We tried. And it, what, but we just cut the guy making all the money out of it and uh, <laughs> give the money. Okay, nobody shows up. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so he's. He, I think Foxworthy is one of the most underrated comics ever. I really oh, do. Yeah, that you might so be a redneck good. series. It was so genius, brilliant. And, uh, yeah. If your family tree does right. not fork, right? <laughs> and it was all so long. I mean, those jokes were so long ago, but it was such a great hook and oh, something that you genius. could just do it over and over and over and over. Yeah. But but there was so much to him besides that. Right, and to this day, you know, it, it, he's just somebody that, when I talk to him, 
we were both doing little clubs in Atlanta, warming up for something else. And so we had dinner together and, uh, you know, I don't know, eight months ago or whatever it was. And, and, uh, it was just glorious to sit down and talk to somebody that was so generous that the first day I ever did stand up, he told me I needed to put the punchline at the end of the joke. And then I said, how do you do that? Or whatever stupid fucking voice I was using that day. And, and he sits down with me, brand new comic, with a piece of paper and a fucking pen. And he goes, all right, how's the first joke go? He writes it out himself in longhand. And he, goes, he underlines this part and this part and this part. And he goes, you're, what you're doing is instead of saying this here, you need to say it here, right? Because if you say it here, you're stepping on the laugh by doing the end of it. Now, I can't imagine now how you would do that wrong or not how to do it, not know how to do it, but I didn't know how to do it then. And he was so generous, he just sat down and showed me. I'd been doing stand-up for four minutes, and he and I had a guy that good going, okay, look at this. Just That's think amazing. about it. amazing. Just think about this. If you do it here instead of here, what happens? Stare at them. They'll laugh. And uh, then you can move on to the next fucking joke. Wow. So that's how uh, that's how much he's in. I've never heard anything but good things about that man. No, there's nothing there's nothing but good. You know, uh, great human being, uh, dear dear friend. Count on him for anything. He's a know. big time bow hunter too. You know, he's a big time hunter. He he uh, he he and everybody respects him as a hunter. You know, he doesn't take out a lot of deer during the year. You know, he looks for trophies, and if he doesn't see them, he doesn't shoot at them. You know, he doesn't. Old, mature deer that have right. passed their breeding cycle. Yeah. 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 That's what yeah. he looks for. That's how you're supposed to do it. And, uh, you know, and I've never been into that. He's always tried to get me to go. And I, I would probably go with him. I mean, I have no reason not to, you know, except I'd have to learn how to shoot a bow. You should come out here and we should shoot some pigs. They have yeah. to get rid of them. These wild, crazy pigs. So the pigs, uh, yeah, the pig story. Don't think about Whitney's pig. No, Let's I'm, I'm put that you. in the back of your head. So Jay and I were going to do, uh, who, who was the hanging judge? There's Jeff. <laughs> yeah, there he is. What's he doing in this video, Jamie? Uh, I, was just hunt, I just found a hunting video. Uh. It's just outdoorsman hunting something or other. I don't know. That's a nice deer. Yeah, he's out there whacking deer. So anyway, Jay and I were going to talk. We're talking about doing uh, who was the judge west of the Pecos here in Roy Texas, Bean. Roy Bean. And uh, so we, we were talking to this director. I feel stupid for not know his name. Famous director lives right here in Bastrop. Uh, who did? Shit, my brain's just not working today. I can't catch up with all of it. And uh, but he owned the. He he actually had also some pigs that he put into this and he wanted to do a reality show about the the pig ranch and bastrop and mm. uh so jay because he can produce anything right he's got a great production company and uh so he sells it because this guy's the director fuck who's his name oh i can't believe it sorry give me a movie the first movie that uh mcconaughey was ever I'm guessing in. on this the last pick, yeah, Richard, Richard Link, Linklater. Linklater. Yeah, Bam, Jamie. <laughs> right, right out of the go. fucking Boom. gate. Yep. He's a mentalist. Um, so we we pitch him the, the, the Judge Roy Bean story, but Jay's there to wrap up the deal on the pig ranch, the pig rescue thing. Right. So 
we they want to go over there. Well, now I'm part of the fucking team, right? I'm like, fuck yeah, because I want this guy to direct this, right? Because mm-hmm. if he does it, it's a hit and right. it's sold for right. sure. He's an amazing director. Uh, and we go over there, and and it's huge, and it's nice too. Oh, the pigs are 800 pounds. Some of them can't hardly move, have arthritis. Takes them 30 minutes to lay down. The last and, pig. And uh, <clears throat> this is a thing. No. Oh. Okay. Something different. No, that's not the it. The last pig. Good luck with that. There's a lot of pigs. But anyway, we make our way around the whole thing, and and they have footage because you know they have all these cameras out of of pigs that are in the wild walking up to the fence. Going, how did he get in here? They're fucking eating sandwiches and shit, laying around in the mud. And then there's the people, pigs outside the gates going, what the fuck is this? I want in. No, you can't I get in. I wonder if you let wild pigs in, if they'll revert to being like domestic pigs. Because if you take domestic pigs and they go wild, like you were talking right? about your friend's pigs. They did they grow fine. tusks. Yeah. And they, 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 they get were fine big. with it. Yeah. I don't know. But we, anyway, we make our way into the house. Which the the guy that runs it is a runs a big construction company. He's got a lot of money, but but his wife uh, looks like the chick from Pulp Fiction that that goes nuts, that has all the piercings and stuff. And oh and, yeah, and, yeah. And when I walked into that environment, I saw her, and I'm like, she's set to pop. She's a da dun da dun da dun da dun, dun. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> pop. So, yeah, she's about to pop her fucking weasel, right? right. I think. <laughs> That's my feeling about the whole situation. Right. I get it. And we get in the house, and they're going to sit down and talk about this deal. We sit down for about three seconds. She goes, I'm out of here! She walks out the door and slams the fucking door. And I was like, I saw that fucking coming. I didn't tell anybody, right? But I did see it fucking coming. <laughs> I'm like, this girl's about to pop. I've seen it. I've right. seen it. And you know crazy. A, right. You've been around crazy. And then uh, and he goes, she's not coming back. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, she didn't look like she was coming back. <laughs> she looked like she was. Anyway, I said, well, I'm going to. They, they said something about it. They need to talk about the deal. And I got a joint in my pocket. I've been dying to smoke for fucking hours. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just be right outside here and smoke but but before they did that there were four pigs that lived in the house and one of them was whitney cummings pig and they brought whitney cummings pig out to me and gay and i held it and it squealed like i was fucking it but i, <laughs> but I totally wasn't i totally wasn't i totally wasn't but i definitely did not watch that man fuck my, my wife pig. yeah no I, I already don't believe you <laughs> I already don't believe you. That's a powerful oh, statement. Oh, oh. So anyway, then there's that story. Ron White, let's wrap it up. We did it. Wrap it up. We did it, My man. brother, another beautiful fuck, podcast. Fuck, Thank yeah. you. Thanks for uh, making me come here. Yeah. Part of the reason. Hey, you know, you, I needed to stop you from crying. I'm I, like, I'll make some promises. I'll pitch in, you know, do my, do my thing. I knew there was a spot where we could be together. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to steal you back from McGraw, you know. He, he, uh, <laughs> he, I'm like my my two friends kind of went off together, and I'm like, oh, I see a way. Now it turns out he's moving down here. You okay. can vacation with us too. We'll all vacation right. when it's legal again. I got nothing to do, man. Come I got on, nothing you, to do. You got something to do once the ranch opens up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Figure out what to do with your four acres and two mules. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love you, Ron White. Uh, I love you, Joe Rogan. All right. Bye, everybody. Good night.